This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, we made it to day four of Super Bowl week here in Miami. And it is Thursday, and the place is rocking now. This is the way it works. We kind of told you how it would be, and it doesn't change from year to year in that regard. Uh, the place is rocking here at the Miami Beach Convention Center. All the stars are out, and uh, I saw Big Poppy today even. Big Poppy making an appearance. Did you say what's Super up Bowl to 54. him? Uh, not really. I just, no. No, I, was, I was trying to grab him and see if we can get on his list, but that didn't happen. And... Uh, a big Poppy would have been a fun interview. You know, that's kind. Of, it's not too many people around here really that say uh, that would be fun to do an interview with, or even how many folks do the people in, that listen to our show really want on? Like of all the celebs that are here, it's cool to get like, hey, if we can get Barry Sanders on the show, or some of the local angles that we've had. We, we like catching up with the ESPN personalities, which we've done. Um, I loved uh, having uh, Ryan Bader on yesterday, and mm-hmm. and I loved listening to you guys yak about the. Uh, MMA and, and all of that stuff. So, uh, I mean, I enjoy it, but I, I just try to think sometimes, like, all right, if we could really get, if I had a choice of three interviews uh, that I've seen walk through here, who would I say is on the top of that list? And I think Big Poppy would be a fun interview right now. One, because he's a great personality. All the things that have happened. I mean, heck, he recently got shot and has overcome that. Mm-hmm. And now with the steal, stealing signs stuff going on in baseball, and uh, I think he'd be a fun guy to interview. He'd be near the top of my list. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm a little biased, but uh, I still think he'd be a fun, cool guy to have on the list, Austin Lane. No, without a doubt, man. It's Big Poppy, right? I mean, I think that he can, he almost transcends baseball a little bit, right? Like, he's a, he's definitely a household name. And whether you know or not you enjoy baseball, enjoy watching the game, you still know who Big Poppy was. So I absolutely agree with you. I think he's a, kind of one of those fun-loving dudes. I think he would, would have been a great interview. So think about this, all right? The Red Sox and Yankees meet in the ALCS in 2003 and 2004, and I'm covering that in Albany, and obviously it's a big deal in New England and New York and all that. Uh, In 2005, my kids are born. So I called my mom's dad uh, when I was a kid. I didn't call him Grandpa or Papa or anything (laughs) like that. I called him Poppy. Yeah. So my dad's like, I want to be called Big Poppy. <laughs> so that's what the kids call my my dad. They big call Poppy. Him big, big Poppy. I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> I still am not sure, and I've never really fully confirmed. Are we supposed to be selling uh, spelling Big Poppy? As in my dad, as P A P I or P O P P Y. Oh man, P A P I all day. I mean, that's that's the only way to spell, it, in my opinion. Uh, so anyway, Big Poppy was here. We are here too. Uh, still at Super Bowl Fifty Four in Miami. Brent Martineau and Stuart Weber, uh, Austin Lane, Marcel Robinson drove back last night. You made it in okay because obviously you showed up today. Yeah, we're, we're showing up to work here. Uh, made it back fine. Listened to some podcasts. Stopped to get some food. You know, the, the usual uh, road trip type of stuff. But yeah, it was. It was a fine drive, caught a little rain, but overall, yeah, made it back in one piece, which is the most important part. Ended up getting a ticket uh, in the parking lot because I have to put my new sticker on my tag, so wasn't the most excited about that, but it is what it is. Wait a minute, a ticket in your parking lot, like, at work? Well, yeah, or like yeah, a- like, the, like a ticket, like, where we park, you know, for, for the, the studio. You got a ticket? Yes, sir. From, like, who? From the people in the building? No, from, like, the police, I assume. 
Really? Yeah, because because uh, you know, like we we got like a registration and everything. Yeah. And it, mine's up to date, but I haven't put the sticker on it yet. It's in my glove compartment. Totally spaced and forgot to do it. So they gave me a ticket for not having the sticker uh, on my license plate. So your car was parked at the station. That is correct. And somehow someone, a police officer or whatever, was driving through and gave you a ticket for that and left it on your windshield. I guess so, man. I mean, hey, listen, I'm I'm not going to call it the police. I'm going to pay my ticket, man. Um, I got no problem doing that. It's, it's, not, it's not like it's a big deal. It's like 20, I think it's 25 bucks. So it is what it is. But yeah, man, I got a ticket. Huh. I've yeah. never heard of that. I've never, I've do? never heard of any that happening to anybody at our place in any station I've been at over 20 years. I so, felt like uh, someone might have snitched on me, and I'm trying to narrow it down here. Obviously, Coos is the prime suspect, right? Yeah, oh, I know. I'm looking right at you, Coos. Um, yeah, I guess the the, the the search continues to see if someone snitched on me. You know who it was? Who was it? The cleaning people. Oh, good call, Brent. Yeah. You made a mess on their floor. They have motive. They have now motive. They have motive. All right. I'm going to have a little chit-chat with somebody then, I guess. Wow, that's amazing. I still can't believe you did that. All right. Since we're telling a little bit of stories, last night you guys leave. We go to uh, eat. Yep. And listen, I am not one of these guys, okay? Not at all. In fact, I used to get embarrassed when, like, my dad would do it or if I'm with anybody that complains about service and all that stuff. So I, I really have all the patience in the world for that and don't mind. It happens. Stuff happens. Whatever. Uh, but we go uh, and and have dinner at this place called Tacos, Tacos, Tacos. Okay. And you know, I mean, it's towards South Beach, not right on South Beach, but it's it's toward there. And it's just a taco place, man. Nothing nothing crazy. And um, you know, we have to wait a couple minutes to get in. The place is busy, but not overly busy. Well, I know we left. We got there at about eight twenty-five, eight twenty-ish. We left there at eleven fifteen. And what? some of the folks didn't get their food until about 10.50. Excuse me? It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And it wasn't just us. Like it was, Sure, it was everybody. Know, like, you know that food show? I was brought to... Who, what food show did we decide it was? Uh, Kitchen, Nightmares. Uh, Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, where, is that with Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, like where they start their own restaurant, and then they he comes in and kind of says, this would never work, or I think that was the show. But either way, if he had come there... I mean, the place would be closed down today. Yeah, really. I mean, well, let's be honest though. Were, were, I mean, were the tacos decent? No, that's the crazy part. Out of this world, was, the food was excellent. Okay, food was excellent, and uh, it was just amazing. Like they has had a lot of issues. Yeah, it was a tough night at Taco Taco. Well, and, and this uh, is the thing about Miami, Brent, that we kind of talked about yesterday at Stu Gotts a little bit. I'm just amazed, like how late all these restaurants stay open. I mean, they're they're open till 2 a.m. And they're trying to get people to come eat at their, you know, establishment. And then on top of that, then you can eat, and then you can have like a giant hookah lounge um, <laughs> set up if you want to do that. So like, it, it, it's really amazing like how long they keep on serving food for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one other thing to note, I think it's worth noting. When we got here Sunday, we went uh, down towards South Beach, and we're walking on this like little path. And there was a, a guy that was walking with a stroller coming up on us. Well, inside the stroller was a dog. So a dog in a stroller wearing a Phillies, like, shirt. The dog was wearing a shirt, and it was like a Philly shirt. What, what kind of dog correct. was it? Do you remember what kind of dog it was, Stuart? I'm not very good at it. Huh? It was a small dog. I, we don't know what kind of dog it was. Okay. We were just probably in awe of everything else going on. Well, yesterday, well, coming home on. from Taco Taco uh, around uh, 11.15 at night, we <laughs> were walking home, and we, we see this, like, this person that stopped, and there's a stroller, 
And so we keep walking, and then it's about 10 steps later, and Stuart and I both ask ourselves, we both like kind of say at the same time, was that just a cat strapped into a stroller? Oh, no, th- th- there's no way. There is absolutely a, no, no way. It was a cat strapped into a stroller with a hat on. There's there's absolutely no way. But with a hat on. Listen. Like, I really should have taken a picture of this. Like, I've now seen, I've never seen this before in my life, and I've now seen it twice with a dog and a cat in the last five days here. In, is that a thing in no, South well, Beach? So here's how I feel about it. Dogs, I can see, Bryn, right? Because they're, they're very loyal, you know, they're man's best friend, and sometimes I'm sure they don't like to go along with dressing up and everything like that, but they go along with it because it makes their owner happy. That's what I truly believe. And it's all good. Now, you know, putting your dog in a stroller... A little past aggressive, but I'll let it slide. But a cat, on the other hand, who just <laughs> thinks for themselves all the time, who are literally, you know, th- think like sociopaths, and you get that cat dressed up and rocking a hat, and it's in a stroller, nothing good is going to come of that. Just wait and see. I guarantee in the next couple of months or so, you're going to hear a story about a cat going absolutely crazy on its owner in Miami Beach. Yeah, there was a cat in a stroller, and nobody was really even taking notice. Not even <laughs> us for a second. We were like, how how did we not even double take on that? Like, yeah. that really just happened. Like, that's not okay, is it? Like, no, to see that. I, I probably would have called animal services or something <laughs> and took care of it. That must be a thing down here anyway. Uh, we got cats and dogs in strollers, and we got a big game coming up. Uh, Super Bowl uh, 54 on the way, of course, on Sunday on Fox 30. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. We've got a bunch of guests lined up today. Mark Brunel's going to sit down in just a moment or two. Clint Boyer from the NASCAR world. You know, I just caught up with Maurice Jones-Rue. Probably going to share that tomorrow. And uh, we've got some more ESPN personalities on the way, too. Plus, some of our interviews that even Austin Lane had done caught up with Andy Reid. A lot to get to here on the show. NFLPA has a big meeting today amongst each other outside of the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl. Where does that go from here? Uh, Roger Goodell addressed that on Wednesday, so uh, we'll get into that. Plus, we have a PDQ gift card giveaway a couple of times in the show. And remember, you have a day left to send in your pizza party for Sunday's big game commercial. You send us a commercial about your party, and Austin Lane is going to deliver a pizza if you're the winner. We're going to announce that tomorrow. It's a 30-second commercial. Leave it at Star Star 690 or just on any of our social media platforms. And it's easy. You have to use uh, four words. ESPN 690, Rena's Pizza and Party. So we've got some uh, entrants. You can be one as well. Join in the fun. Have some fun with it. How would you get people out to your party? Don't worry. The rest of the world really isn't invited. We're just going to make a commercial for it, and you're just going to get some free Whoa, pizza. Well, I could be invited, though, right? Well, you're going I mean, to be invited. Well, I'm going to say, if I'm making that trek, I at least want to, you know, a little thanks for your effort, come on inside and have some guacamole. Well, I would assume when you deliver the pizza, you're staying a while. Okay, okay. You uh, might want to tell Cody I'll be back in a couple of hours. <laughs> Done. All right. As, as All long right. as we establish the ground rules. <laughs> All right. More from Super Bowl 54 when we rock on, including some Jags talk as well as always here on Action Sports Jags on ESPN 690. It's coming up next from South Florida. Stay with us. It's a cool feeling, man. I'm, uh, I'll save this jersey forever just because of uh, how unique this situation is. I mean, it's it took me seven years to get here, so if you... Uh, maybe I'll be lucky to, to make it here uh, if I play another seven years. That's Travis Kelsey, Kansas City Chiefs tight end. And you know what? I think he is the most dangerous player 
in this football game. I, I really do. I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense when you have Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and all these other players and even uh, Mostert uh, for San Francisco. Who knows what Jimmy Garoppolo does, Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle. I mean, you can name all these guys. I really feel like Travis Kelsey has owned the postseason, owned the big games for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think he's uh, a, a key, key part of this thing and maybe the biggest part for San Francisco's defense to figure out. Brett Martineau back here at Super Bowl 54. Austin Lane back in the studio uh, in Jacksonville for the next couple of days. And don't worry. We've got plenty of people to sit in your chair over here, Austin, including <laughs> former Jaguar Mark Brunel, who joins us, who's down at Super Bowl 54. What's up, man? Hey, it's great to be on. Yeah, good to have you. I mean, I don't know if we're, I mean, I, sometimes I don't know if we're friends or enemies or, or whatever. Well, you know what? You, you could know be what? friends. You could be friends and competitors at the same I time. Like I like but, that a lot. Right? I like but, it. But this, this is. This is radio. This is radio. This is radio. And uh, and we're talking about some cool things, too. We'll talk about a lot of things, but you've been a part of this Legends community for the NF- NFL. Yep. Uh, the NFL alumni group. You mm-hmm. do a lot of work with that. Uh, and Austin can speak on that part sure. of it, too. He tells me all the time he's got a free membership to the YMCA. Because <laughs> I got one of those, too, Austin. Austin. All the time. That, thing's, yeah. that, thing's, that thing's nice, yeah. man. You're not lying, man. I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, I can use the weights anytime I want. I can go in the sauna, go in the pool. Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. Man, I, you know what, though? I, I stay away from that YMCA sauna. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I don't know about that. Austin, I don't worry about you. <laughs> well, he's too young. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know better. But you know what? It doesn't matter how long you played or how long you've been retired. Free stuff is still real cool. You know? Yes, free right. stuff is just cool. Like a free membership to YMCA because you play in the NFL, I think that's cool. That is cool. You're right. I, I always say this. Mr. Chin, my eighth grade math class, said if it's free, take it. Exactly. If it's free, I'll, if it's free, I'll take three. I don't know what the heck he taught me in, in math, but I know he taught me that. <laughs> the value of zero. That's funny. Yeah, well, the Legends community, I've uh, been going about six years. Um, it's really the uh, NFL's alumni group and uh, we host what's called the legends lounge here at the super bowl for three nights we start tonight uh friday saturday of course but we do the same thing at the draft we do the same thing at the combine it's an opportunity for former players whether you played one year or you played 15 years to come and 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 really just get away from the hustle and bustle uh drinks food but it's really about the fellowship you see guys i was telling you earlier brent you see guys that haven't seen each other seen each other in 10 20 years reconnect whether they were on your team or they were an opponent or something like that but it's a safe place for guys to get away and uh, talk about the good old days and and uh and and uh it's it's fun and so we'll have Literally hundreds of uh, former players come through in the next three nights. So I'm looking forward to it. That's pretty cool. And, and you know, what changed for you, or, or when did you get to the point where you wanted to be more involved in this? So you're, you're coaching at Episcopal, so you obviously want to help kids out. You you love the game still. You want to give back to the game. But I have seen you. I remember seeing you in New York at the draft, which is now going on a handful of years ago. I saw you last year at the Combine. So you've been at a lot of these events, which takes up some more of your time. But what clicked to say, hey, I, I want to be a part of this in a bigger role. I don't want to just go to this event, but I want right. to be Part of well, it. I think that uh, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of this game in the NFL for 19 years, and you know, for for that long, it becomes part of, part of you know, big part of your life. Football is a huge part of my life, and so to be able to coach high school kids and work with former NFL players, uh, I mean, that's those are two dream jobs for me, and they just fit right in line. I still have the flexibility to do a lot of stuff with my family and and different things that I like to do, um, but uh, it's been great, you know. Um, Working with 
um, high school football players is the most rewarding job, Brent, that I've ever had. I mean, it, it, nothing else comes close. The opportunity to impact these young men's lives. And, you know, we, we do that by using the game of football. Um, it's, it, it's awesome. Uh, as far as the former players, you know, there's a lot of guys that are doing really well. Um, but there's a lot of guys that are struggling. Uh, the Legends community, when we get together, yeah, we have a good time. But really, ultimately, that's about providing opportunities and resources for former players that simply might be in bad shape, whether that's uh, in their health, their finances, trying to find what's next. That transition time is critical from being an NFL player, being a star, to really trying to figure out how to do life not being an NFL player. So we work with a lot of former guys on that, and that's re- very rewarding. So. I've got two really cool jobs. Uh, I get the opportunity to work with Channel 4. I love the TV aspect of it and talking about the Jaguars. So I'm pretty busy, yet uh, uh, I really enjoy everything I'm doing, Brent. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. How, we hear all the st- – well, not all. We hear a lot of stories about former players not doing so right. well. Right, yep. Are you more amazed when you come to these events at how many people are not doing well, or how many people that are doing? I'm well? not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised by how many guys are, are doing poorly, and that and, and that's and you hear about that. You know, uh, tonight, you know, we're going to see some beat up guys. We're going to see some guys that have that have been through some stuff, and are really going through it. So, like tonight, the opportunity with connect to connect with those those guys, talk to them, and say, you know, you know, I'll run into a guy the next three nights. I promise you, that will need it's, that's going to need a knee. Or a hip or something, you know. Uh, maybe they don't have the greatest insurance. They're struggling, whatever. Well, the NFL has a joint replacement program that will pay uh, a considerable amount of cost for you to get that knee. But guys out there, former players, they don't know that, Brent. They don't know what's available to them. And, and uh, um, so to kind of make that happen and, and offer some hope and bring light to, to a lot of to these guys that really don't know what's available to them, uh, but it's also fun uh, talking to a guy that started a business 15 years ago, and he's absolutely killing it. And he used all those, uh, all the skills from the game of football and learning, you know, and, and working with a team. And and to hear those guys do well, uh, you don't hear that on the news as much. But there's so many stories about guys that uh, that used, you know, their platform in football to really transition and, and be very successful after the game. Yeah, very well said. You know, and I think Austin's uh, an example of that no right question. now. Austin's an interesting example. I think a story you can tell about it some some point down the road. We share his story quite a bit from an NFL guy, you know, maybe not uh, – Maybe a bit under the radar, I would say, in the NFL in his, in his career um, for about a handful of years. Now into the MMA world, now even getting into the media world, yeah. and he's still a young, young guy. So Austin, you're you're a story that well, that that there there are more stories like you, I guess, that then get put out on TV and you're reading the paper. Although every time we see those stories, we really love to celebrate them. Well, and listen, and I was very lucky from the standpoint that I was under the A's in your phone, right? Because you were looking for a co-host, <laughs> yeah. and I was under the A's and kind of ran. That's actually fact. And, yes. and there it is, man. So uh, I was very That's blessed awesome. to be, you know, named Austin and not, I don't know, Zach or something like that. So I'm, I'm very appreciative for that. But, but, I mean, what Mark is doing here with everything is a fantastic way to get players involved and just kind of get players around each other again. Because, yes. Brent, I've talked about it before on the show. Whether you're an old vet or, you know, whether you're just freshly out of the league, NFL players are very proud individuals, right? And then there's some ego involved. They wouldn't be to the highest point of the NFL if they didn't have that uh, characteristic about them. And sometimes I think guys are kind of afraid to ask for help a little bit, right? Yes, they're very so proud and, and, and they're, they're you know kind of tentative to reach out. And with these programs here, whether it's just you and a couple guys at the YMCA, you know, 
working out together, whether it's a couple guys meeting up for lunch or dinner. Like, those are the avenues where you can start those conversations. You can get a little help, and it's not like you're actually reaching out. You're just kind of meet up with some old friends, basically. So I think what Mark in NFOP and everything that they do is a fantastic thing, and I think there needs to be more of it, you know? I mean, because there's a lot of players out there that I know personally that are, that are struggling right now. I mean, yeah. I, I have the benefit of when I was walking away from the NFL, I had something waiting for me. I had MMA, and then I had a guy by the name of Brett Martineau who decided to take a chance on me. So I had people in my corner right off the bat, and I knew what I was going to do. But what happens with so many NFL players when they're done, basically how it works is someone tells you that you can't play anymore. You know, you don't get to go out on your own terms usually. So someone tells you you can't play, and then you're kind of lost because you have nowhere to turn to. All of a sudden, the schedules that you were following since you are in college are no longer there, and a lot of players get lost. So what Mark is doing and what a lot of NFL vets are doing um, is a fantastic thing. And it's a big part of the new CBA they're working on, too. Right, I think what right players now want they're meeting about is, that. Yeah, right now. Yep. And, and I think what players want a little bit of is more protection after they're done playing, right? Isn't that what you're hearing? Yeah, no, there's no question. And, and right now, the, the big conversation is about the pre-93 guys and how this new CBA can, can benefit them. And uh, those guys that played a long time ago are the all-too-forgotten group of, of men that built this game and have everything to do with the success of the game now. So I'm hoping I came in right at 93. So all the guys that played before me, I'm hoping, at, at least as far as that p- pension is concerned, that uh, there's that they do what they did in the last CBA. Throw some throw some money in there and help those guys that need it the most, really, Brent. Yeah, Mark Brunel with us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 here at Super Bowl 54. Uh, love the shirt, by the way. Bart Starr shirt. Bart Starr. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, rapid fire, okay, so we Come can on. let you go and you can go where you got to go. I know you got a lot going on. Why can't this organization replace you, essentially? <laughs> I asked this for a long it time, It shouldn't right? be that hard to replace me. <laughs> <laughs> We said this for a long time. When I got to town in 2008, and then in 2012, 2014, until who I guess we're going to probably have on in a couple minutes, Alan Robinson came along. Mm-hmm. They couldn't replace Jimmy Smith. They right. couldn't replace that kind of production. For a long time, they couldn't find pass rushers. Well, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, now Josh Allen, even a little Dante Fowler. They've been able to do that. But the quarterback is a tricky one. And uh, is there hope, at least from your eyes, that one of these two guys on the roster is that well? It's it's hard to say, and uh, um, just going back to to, to the picks, uh, drafting quarterbacks in the first round is, is it's very risky, you know. And I don't know, you know, it's 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 fifty fifty. You just don't know. And we've we've picked a few in years past, and Brett, they just haven't worked out. Well, you can't miss on on that. If you miss on that, it really sets you back. And we've missed, and we've had quarterbacks first rounders that have had moments. Um, but I think for us to really get to that next level um, beyond what I was able to accomplish you got to find that guy that's your guy for the next 10 or 12 years uh, not good but great finding that quarterback that can that can uh, uh, that you could build around um, do we have that now I, I'm not so sure um, kind of a for me wait and see but uh, you got to hit on the quarterback um, it's tough to do but if you can find one you find something special uh, that uh, is when the Jaguars will be playing in this game. You, you've got to have that position down. Do you think they should take a chance and see what they have in Minshew, even though they've got a guy that's 30 years old, $88 million in foals? You, don't you have to see Yeah, there's Minshew no there's is? no question. I think Gardner, I was really impressed with him. Listen, he's a six-round pick that went 6-6 six and six as a starter. Are you kidding me? The numbers are there. Uh, the toughness, the moxie. Um, you know, winning six games. I mean, he exceeded everyone's expectations. Brent, if he was a first-round pick, 
We'd be happy with that. Absolutely. So he's he has earned the right to be the starter going into this off season. Um, so you you got to look at that, and maybe he's the guy. I don't know. It just depends on how much how much he jumps from year one to year two, because there, there's there's a lot of room to go. Uh, he needs to be able to operate in the pocket better, yeah. go through his progression, and not be everything off schedule, extending plays, running around. Because you know what, next year the defenses they're going to have an answer for that. You got to be able to operate within the pocket, unless you're just something crazy like Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. You know, um, so that's the next step for him. I say all that, but the story's not being done written about Nick Foles. I just have a feeling that, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but uh, uh, I, I just think that both of them will be used, I think, in one way or the other, um, and uh, it, it'll be interesting. I don't think Nick Foles is done as a jabber. I'm not saying he's going to be the starter next year. Maybe he is. He's going to impress you in camp, and uh, um, he's, he's going to have good preseason games, and there will be a tough decision, but you got to take a look, good look at Minshew right now, too. All right, uh, Mark Burton. Hey, Brent, hey, go ahead. can yeah. I say one thing real quick? Yeah, jump in there. So, so Mark, I loved how you talked about the impact of, you know, just playing football and everything. Yeah. And you actually had an impact on me, believe it or not, um, at a very young age. I was seven years old at the time growing up in Iowa, Wisconsin. And okay. uh, at the time, I was in daycare. And I remember I was asking around. <laughs> of, I don't feel old right hey, now. Hey, 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 i got to go. I'm out of here. I'm sorry for making you feel old, man. But I remember we uh, we're, we're going to the Jackson. Jaguars training camp in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, where I went to daycare. And I remember um, I was asking, I'm like, hey, who should I get? Because I didn't know any of the players, obviously, right? Right. And somebody told me, well, you should get Mark Brunel because he's a former Green Bay Packer. And obviously, I'm a big Packer fan at the time. So I'm like, oh, definitely. So I, I look out for Mark Brunel. Well, I had a red Huffy bicycle that I just got, and I couldn't abandon it. I, I want to hang on to it because I was afraid that someone's going to steal it. Well, someone would steal a bike in the middle of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. I have no idea. <laughs> but I was hanging out on my bike. Well, you know, when you guys are walking off the field and everything, the crowds start to form, and I have my bike, and I can't really get in there to say, can I have your autograph? Well, for whatever reason, you saw me wave, and it said, can I have an autograph? And you actually came by my bicycle, man, and you signed a program that I got that day, and you also signed a Jaguars t-shirt that is still at my grandma's house till this day. So I just want to say thanks for doing that, man. Um, it was a very cool moment. Once again, I was seven years old when that happened. Man, so, that so is really cool. Thanks for telling that story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you caught me on a good day. I must have had a good practice. I must have had a good practice because when I didn't have a good practice, I wasn't signing nothing. Man. <laughs> man, it was, it was hard, man. I wanted no it part of Kim's. I wanted no part of anybody. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> well, you feel you're in a good mood today. Uh, you yeah. want to sign something for us? Sure, yeah. <laughs> you got it. Where's the bike? I need Where's that humpy bike? Who's yeah. got a bike? Thanks, uh, Austin. That was no awesome. Problem, uh, Mark Burnell, former Jags quarterback, doing good things with the NFL. Uh, have fun tonight the rest of this weekend with those former players. I know there are some awesome stories to be heard. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank All you. Right. Mark Burnell, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, and here at Super Bowl 54. So are we. We'll come back with more guests and more talk about this big game. Chiefs and 49ers coming up on Sunday on Fox 30. It was the people. The people are, are what really draw, drew me to Kansas City and, and what uh, I hope I get to play there the rest of my career now. Um, I mean, just the people and how they they accept you, how they care about you more as a person than they do as a player, and, uh, and how much passion that they have for the Kansas City Chiefs is uh, it's special, and, it's, and uh, it's somewhere where I want to be for the rest of my career. I got a good feeling Patrick Mahomes is going to be in Kansas City for a very, very long time. I mean, the way his career has started, it will be tough for them to ever part ways. Uh, He could be a lifer 
in KC. Uh, absolutely in his career. Tremendous young talent. Fun to watch him. We'll get to watch him on Fox 30 Super Bowl 54 coming up on Sunday. Brent Martineau here in South Florida. We continue our coverage from the Super Bowl. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. And right now we love to be joined annually, if we can, by former Jaguars wide receiver, current Chicago Bear wide receiver, Alan Robinson stopping on by down here in South Florida. What's up, man? Man, nothing much, man. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Well, we appreciate you taking time. It's always good to catch up with you. Coming off another fantastic year. Congratulations. Thank individual. You, thank you. I, I appreciate know, it. I know the team stuff didn't go the way you wanted to. Last year we got to talk about that run you guys made in the postseason. Uh, but your career continues to elevate, and you must be proud of that, especially it's got to be somewhat gratifying when you sign for big money yeah. and you go to another place to be able to deliver with some productivity. Definitely. You know, again, that's always the plan for me. You know, I, I always try to look at my game as far as, you know, it being ascendant. You know, um, I, only time I can say that I went into another year not better than I was was, was the year I got hurt just because I got hurt. You know, but even even my third year in Jacksonville, you know, I, I knew and I and it was and, and to me, you know, it was pretty apparent I was a better player. You know, I know situationally we had a lot going on that year. So so us to Statistically, it may not have shown, you know, we fired our offensive coordinator, fired our head coach. You know, it was a lot going on, you know. But for me, you know, I was a better player, you know. So each and every year I come into the NFL, you know, I try to be better than I was last year. And I've, and I've been able to do that throughout the course of my career. Yeah, you have. Going on your seventh season, you just told yeah, me that, man. man. I've followed by. your career. I've been flies around for every bit of it. Man. But I didn't even realize it was seven it years. It flies by, man. I, I literally remember being drafted. It seemed, <laughs> it seemed like yesterday, man. So, so so to be going into into year seven is, is, uh, is uh, special, you know. You know, and, and again, just trying to continue to adapt my game and how I move and do things, you know, to continue, you know, to to create more and more years in the league. Do you start thinking of it like, hey, I want to play 10 years. I want to play 12 years. Do yeah, you have any you know, goals I, I had said, you know, when I first stepped into the league, you know, I said I wanted to play a minimum of 12. You know, like I wanted to play 12, you know, but now. You know, as far as it's funny, you know, just talking to my agent and stuff, you know, it's around 13, 14 now, you know, so so it's continuing to increase. You know, I think I think the main thing is, you know, each and every year you come into the NFL, you know, the just the camaraderie that you build with other players and things like that. You know, I mean, that's that's hard to replace, you know, to just to just willingly, you know, try to replace, you know. So, again, I mean, I'm continuing to get better, you know, and as long as I'm continuing to make plays, I'll be playing. You were a bunch of young pups in the Jacksonville locker uh, locker room, receiver room. Now you're kind of a veteran guy. Yeah, do, yeah. do guys look up to you? Have definitely. Has that really changed Definitely. You? It's changed a lot. You know, again, I mean, um, each and every year, you know, I typically have my locker next to a uh, a younger player, you know, whether that's a rookie or first-year player. You know, I remember the guy, guys that we had when I first was drafted, Cecil Shorts, you know, uh, Mike Brown, Ace Saunders. You know, so just having those guys and now to kind of be thrown into that role, you know, especially when it's fun. You know, you hear guys like Riley really one of the young receivers for us in Chicago, you know, just kind of me and him have daily conversations just about, you know, how to go through different things in the season. You know, I know for us offensively, we were going through some adversity, you know, and I just continue to try to tell those guys, you know, that things may come up. You know, each and every year is not a perfect 12 and 4 year like we had. You know, you go through a lot of ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. You know, at the end of the day, you have to mentally prepare yourself for when it's all said and done. You have to look back at it and say, I want to get on that roller coaster again, you know, because I know how to tame that beast. Austin, as I uh, sent it back to you in Jacksonville, because I know you. you have some question for for Allen Robinson. I'm not going to ask him it, but I'm going to say it. 
He's had a productive career, and it's not like he's been in unbelievable QB situations with Bortles, and Trubisky's had his struggles as well. So it tell you about the receiver and the player Allen Robinson is. Well, and, and this is my question for you, Allen. Number one, it's great to talk to you again. But, I mean, you're a guy like you mentioned. You're progressively getting better season by season by season. And I, I watched a lot of the Bears uh, this past year, and when, when the ball came your way, guess what? You're making the plays, man. You're backing it up. I guess my question, too, is obviously you're under contract uh, through 2020. But how bad do you want to get a new extension right now? Because I think your play on the field, and like you said, being a leader in that locker room, it warrants it. Yeah, most definitely. You know, and, and, and again, I I've said before, you know, I do want to retire a bear. You know, I think for me is it's some uh, it's, it's some special things that Chicago, you know, can can possess to me right now as far as you know. When it's all said and done, as far as being the Bears' leading receiver, you know, that's something that I definitely have in mind and definitely want to accomplish and, and things like that, you know. So it's definitely something that's on my mind. And, again, I know how the whole extension and, and kind of how, how the whole contract talks and things like that go, you know. Again, with this being my seventh year in the league, you know, coming up, you know, I see a lot of different things, you know. And, again, um, um, right now it just comes down to me being patient, you know, just trusting my agent, you know, and things like that. And all I can do is continue to just control what I can. And that's just being ready and being there for my team and trying to help my team win games. Alan Robinson, by the way, a nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Congratulations you, on that. You. That's appreciate awesome. It. The Chicago Bears representative, Calais Campbell, the representative of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're keeping some good company with the names on that list. I'm sure you looked at. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's always it's always great to be, you know, in the in the company of those guys, you know, and again, it's a true testament, you know, again, uh, to my family, you know, to the, to the foundation, you know, to our board members, you know, because they put in a lot of work as well as far as working their jobs, coming in, trying to set the groundwork and the foundation for for everything that we're doing when it comes to fundraising events and things like that you know so it's it's a special honor and i'm definitely appreciative of all the support in chicago think about it too walter payton man of the year award nominee in chicago in chicago yeah it's very it's very special you, know, you, do you get a sense of that most definitely most definitely you know i think you get a sense of of walter payton you know the name when you first come to chicago you know we have we have our indoor facility is the uh, walter payton center you know, so again, I mean, it's it's very special. You know, that name that name uh, itself in Chicago. You know, again, like I said before, you know, for me, since the day I signed in Chicago, you know, it's always been a little bit of a special feeling. Uh, Allen Robinson, former Jaguars wide receiver, current Chicago Bear wide receiver, with us. Hey, man, we're trying to figure it out in Jacksonville still. And and now there's been a bunch of you guys that have gone. I mean, Jalen Ramsey got traded yeah. away. We're not sure if Yannick Ngakwe is going to stick yeah. around. They have the option of franchise tag. Um, can you relate to some of those guys in situations with what went on? And, and, and I guess how much of that was they, they fired Tom Coughlin. There's been some angst with Tom Coughlin. Uh, is that part of it? Was it part of it? I, I definitely do think it it definitely it definitely was. You know, I'm not gonna say in a sense of a uh of a, a negative way, you know, as far as my experiences, but I think just kinda how things were uh the outlook on things was was a little bit different than than, than it may be now, you know. So again, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with uh with uh, Yannick. You know, I've talked to him a couple of times, you know, throughout the course of this past off season and, and last off season, you know, and the and the crazy thing about it is I think for him, you know, when you look at the players that they've drafted, you know, I think he's definitely proved and his worth you know he's coming there you know I think his second year he was all pro went to the Pro Bowl you know again his third year I mean which is expected he's going to see a little bit more attention you know so he may not necessarily had the numbers but the impact that he has on that defense is is ridiculous you know even even seeing guys you know it was actually kind of weird seeing that defense you know without Jalen without Telvin you know without some of those guys and seeing Yannick and Calais having to do a lot 
of the of the uh, groundwork on their own, you know. But again, I mean, he's he's a player who has been warranted to a contract. You know, and the same with Jalen, you know, and that's, and that's how I felt, you know, for my for myself as well, you know. But again, I mean, whatever you know, the outlook that an organization has on on the direction that they want to go in is the direction that they want to go in. You know, that's why I tell players all the time, you know. Uh, control what you can't control. You know, it's only so much that you can do. You know, like I said before, a lot of guys, you know, and from the fans' perspective, they see a lot of guys leaving organizations, you know, but at the same time, they don't know what kind of offers they're getting. You know, like what offer is really an offer, one that that an organization know you can't accept. Yes. You know, if you're getting if you're getting a a, a contract offer from an organization that's almost I would say about 50 to 30 percent below what you think market value is. That's not an offer that you can accept. You know, they know that you really won't accept that, and you know that you can't accept that. You know, it's more so to say that an offer was being made. You know, and that happens across the league. You know, so again, I mean, that's more so to the fans' perspective on you know when you when they see guys leaving and things like that, just kind of knowing what all goes into it. You know, because some offers are being made to these players, but it's an offer that they can't take. You know, for anybody who goes to work each and every day, if you have an offer that you know you can't take, you know, or that's much below your market value. You know, it's you like selling a house. Exactly, exactly. You know, you gotta do, you gotta do what's best for you. You know, you only can do what's best, you know, for the team for so long. Like Yannick has probably played on a contract where he's made under a million dollars now for four years and has led the league in pressures. You know, or been in the top five in pressures. You know, so it's like, you know, it's time for him to get what he deserves. Speaking of offers, A-Rob, um, so, you know, th- there's been rumors around Jacksonville now that the Jaguars are actually have two home games um, this up-and-coming season, if not l- later down the pipe, basically. And in I London. Can, in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to have two games in London this year. But yeah, t- well, there's some, there's some rumors that it could be possibly more than one. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> we, is, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't want to say it for sure, yeah. but... It's trending toward two games and two home games wow. in London. Yeah, well, so I mean, oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think that's pretty unique. I, I honestly think that all the experiences that I have in London, um, I, I've really enjoyed them. And I think even from a brand pers- perspective, I think with Jacksonville, quote-unquote, being a smaller market, I think for a player's perspective that that would be very beneficial to some of the bigger names on the team, being able to play in London and having the London fan base being able to attach a team with specific faces coming over there all the time. So I think it definitely has its pros and cons. Well, and, and I guess my perspective being, because obviously I, I never got to play over there, but from what I've heard, you know, players go over there the first time and it's pretty cool, but then, you know, every single season you go over there, it can be kind of tedious especially if you have families. And then my question to you would be, how do you think, you know, like the established, you know, vets in the NFL with families and everything, do you think that could kind of sway their decision a little bit to be a Jacksonville Jaguar if the fact that they know they have to play two home games overseas every single year? I think that's tough, you know, because I, I would almost equate that to it's just a day how Jacksonville had been going. It's just one day longer than if it was a West Coast trip, mm. you know. So I don't know if one or two games are really deter that, you know. What I mean, possibly, I guess maybe for some players, but again, I mean, leaving on Thursday, getting back on Monday, I believe is is kind of what was going on when I was there. You know, again, um, that's, I mean, if you go to San Diego, when I was in Jacksonville, we left on Friday. You know, so, again, that's one day. So, I mean, two games out of the year like that is not too bad. I mean, I guess if you're just opposed to the 
the flight and travel and stuff like that, maybe, but I don't really think it's it, it I don't think it's too big of a deal. Alan Robinson with us, former Jaguars wide receiver, really good insight on just the Jan situation, the Ramsey situation, your own situation. Uh and it's worked out for you. You know, we said this to you last year and I don't mean to say this. It, it fe- sometimes it feels like guys are fit in Jacksonville and, and really enjoy it in Jacksonville and could stay there for their careers. And others it's almost like Maybe they fit better. It felt like for you, Chicago's a nice fit. You've even said yeah, you want yeah, to retire no, it there. Is, it, 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 it's not that doesn't it, mean you didn't like yeah, Jacksonville. Yeah, I don't want to present it like that. Definitely. I, um, for me, I think the biggest thing I said before, um, throughout, I mean, switching from Jacksonville to Chicago was the first time that I had like switched teams from somebody I was playing with. You know, since I was eight years old, I believe. Wow. You know, like, I played for the same little league team. I played for my high school team. Didn't transfer. Was at Penn State. Was at Jacksonville. You know, so so for me, ideally, you know it. Being able to to be attached to an organization when it's all said and done, I think it's something that's special. You know, again, I mean, I know I know the the pros and 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 the, and the benefits from just being able to benefit from your own situation, maybe from different teams and stuff like that. But I think that Chicago, in a sense, possesses a lot for me. You know, even when it's all said and done after football, and as well as it being very close to my home. You know, so yeah. again, it was one of those situations that was a very special. Um, a special situation for me. You get uh, a lot of ticket requests since Detroit's yeah, just down the road. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and since it being cold, you know, I, I was able, you know, unfortunately enough to be able to get a suite. You know, so so I get about ten tickets a game. You know, so my That's parents cool. come to every game. This is the most that my parents have have saw me play on a on a, a year basis since high school. You know, I mean, they didn't even make it to these many games at Penn State. You know, so so they come to all the home games every year and possibly a couple close away games as well. That's awesome. Uh, hey, DJ Chark had a nice year. Do you watch other receivers around? Most I mean, definitely. I don't know how much you get to see. You're no, playing on Sundays. Yeah. But most definitely, you know, it was it was pretty cool to see that. You know, again for him, um, I don't know the year that he had as a as a, a rookie, but for him to be able to take that next step, his second year, you know, I think I, um was a uh, very special. You know, I think the biggest thing for him is just knowing that you know defenses are, are going to start keying on them now. You know, so that third year is is definitely going to be harder than than the second. You know, and, and I don't think that's nothing that he's not prepared for or not willing to take on. You know, but for him, if I had any words of advice, it's just the better that you are, the better you got to be. Well, Dallin Robinson, by the way, helped change the narrative about receivers in. Jacksonville. Since Jimmy Smith, they went a decade, essentially, without a thousand-yard wide receiver, and then the huge year and year number two for Allen Robinson, Austin. It, it, it broke that streak, and and now we've seen Allen. We saw Allen Hearns have a nice year. Marquis Lee's been a contributor, and now DJ Chark. You know, Allen Robinson helped change kind of the perception of the receiver position in Jacksonville a bit. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, it was for a while after he left where we weren't accustomed to seeing wide receivers going up and getting those 50-50 balls, you know, so um, it's kind of, a, kind of a cool thing to see DJ Chark kind of take over a little bit now and hopefully be that bona fide one receiver. Uh, Alan, real quick question, man. So you play for the Chicago Bears now. I was there for, for a few years, and the two crazy things about the Chicago Bears, at least when I played for them, number one, the cafeteria, do they still have the pretzel buns there for like the, no, the hamburgers no, no no they do not have Excuse any pretzel me. buns and i will say that you know they actually just redid the facility okay so it's like ridiculous um i forget how much they spent to do that facility but it's literally ridiculous but there aren't any pretzel buns dang no. okay <laughs> my, my second question so obviously when you play on a team for a little bit you know you you, you want to kind of have like a little jersey or a helmet you can buy because usually when the season's over you can buy a helmet you can buy your jersey hang it up you know do all that stuff well, their equipment manager, their team, man, at least when T-Man, I was there. man, he T-Man was, is a tough is a He tough is the cookie, man, man, but he is the stingiest dude. He <laughs> is, man. You got a scratch and claw for every single thing. Dude, Jersey, yeah. helmet, gloves, cleats. I, you got a scratch and claw to 
keep it, but I'm managing. You know, I actually, uh, it's funny, I think I gave away the last jersey that I had because I think I only had three from Chicago. I may actually have one more at my house, but I definitely, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because I still haven't got my jerseys from this season. Uh, the biggest, hey, exactly the big, hey there's an answer to that, Austin Lane. And A Rob got a nice big deal. It's just a big Christmas tip. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess so, man. Yeah, you, what you I got makes co- sense. That is that is a good point. Well, I don't know. But hey, I'm not going to say T Med is not a guy of bribes. So. <laughs> no, he's not, man. He's a very humble he's, and he, a very he's, loyal guy. He's strict and stingy, but you know we definitely do love him. Well, that's the thing, man. Like when I got cut in the spring and I'm wearing my you know my gear like my practice gear, like he was trying to grab my sweatpants I was wearing, trying yeah. to grab my practice shirt that I was wearing. I'm like, dude, I, I gotta have something to go home with. I just got yeah, cut, man. man. Come that, on. That's T. That's yeah. T for yeah. you. He hasn't changed a bit. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, who you like here Sunday? It's tough, man. I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, it's, it's two teams who play the exact opposite. One team was very pass-heavy and kind of a 11-personnel team, and then another team that plays in base personnel. You know, one team who runs zone in San Fran, you know, and we kind of know Salah's uh, philosophy. Yep. And then you have a team that's built to beat zone with the RPO game and stuff like that, you know. So I'm very curious to see just kind of how they, they play chess. I think it's going to be a lot more low scoring than people think. I think that these teams may take a quarter and a half or so to kind of figure each other out, you know. But I'll probably have an answer at some point. I'll probably tweet it out Saturday on on <laughs> on, uh, on uh, who I think will be the uh, winner. You're an offensive guy. I know where you're going to end yeah, up leading. Probably. What, what receiver probably. would you take on the Chiefs? Man, they hold receiver uh, Tariq Hill, man. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah, right? I mean, that's the thing. I play, I play with the uh, Chiefs on Madden. You know, again, <laughs> he's he's a video game player who plays in real life. You know, I think it, I think he probably keeps defensive coordinators uh, up at night all the time. He gives them fits. It's tough to defend them. Allen Robinson, great catching up all with right, you, man. man. Thank you. Again, Keep being well, okay. Keep putting it. up those numbers. We'll talk to you year 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Most definitely. We're trying to get the 14 here. Yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, always, always love catching up with Alan Robinson, former Jags player, doing well in Chicago, and that's good to see as well. We wish he had kept him in Jacksonville, but that's all right. Good to see uh, A-Rob doing well. We'll come right back. We'll talk a little NASCAR. Clint Boyer joins us on ESPN 690 from Super Bowl 54. Definitely easy to tell, especially coming from college. And I had a ridiculously talented team there and a ridiculously talented defensive line in college. But it's a whole nother level up here. And to be on the best defensive line, or one of the best in in football, um, you definitely see it. You know, we talk about family names in the NFL these days, the Mannings. Earlier this week, we talked about the Longs, Howie, and Kyle, and Chris. How about the Bosa name as of late? I mean, they're going to have some, maybe they'll have some kids down the road that will also play in the NFL. But Joey and Nick Bosa have had a nice start to their NFL careers. That's Nick Bosa, San Francisco 49ers. And uh, he hopes to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. Our next guest hopes Nick Bosa can't do that. Uh, because he definitely, you hope he can't do that. That's Clint Boyer of NASCAR fame. Drives a number 14 car for Stuart Haas Racing. Brent Martino, Stuart Weber, our NASCAR guru, by yep, the way. Yeah, got to pull me in for this in. one. We've got the Daytona 500 on the horizon, the Super Bowl racing coming up in just a couple of weeks in Daytona. And, uh, Clint, we love that race. We're from Jacksonville, man. Yeah, absolutely. Love having you there. Uh, big race for us. That's our big dance. But uh, let's get the Super Bowl out of the way first. <laughs> you know, being being from Kansas, yep. being a cheese fan, you know, so, I, mean, I just walked in, Neil Smith's back there. I remember, you know, those <laughs> guys awesome. paved the way for this team to be out there on this field this weekend um, with the world to watch them, you know. And that's that's where your mind's at, you know. You do all these interviews. Like, what as a kid growing up watching the Chiefs, what's that mean? It means all those wonderful players, those powerhouse players that, that we had, you know, that just didn't quite get to see it. But they did, 
have a big big to do with with these boys being here but uh man it's it's cool it's, it's been last year you know oh it hurts so bad i was at that game I was down there, like, hey, come in, we're, we're fixing it, we're going to throw it down, this is going to happen, you know, so in the middle of, of jumping from the seat and trying to run down to the locker room to get in, you know, on the party, offside, so I was like, oh, oh my God, God. they were that close, dude, yeah. so we should have already been in the Super Bowl, yeah. right? well, listen, I'm wait, not, we, I don't know that I bought it. we feel you in Jacksonville, uh, we feel you a year prior. Miles Jack wasn't down. We thought we had the Patriots, too. Those darn Patriots, man. They come back oh, again. Who would be Patriots. like the Patriots in NASCAR? Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. yeah. I figure. You know. Yeah. But he's a little more likable. I, he's likable. <laughs> so it's not. The there is. Difference. I don't think that team or person, there's not an individual that exists that is that. No, you're, the right, you're right about that. <laughs> Clint Boyer with us. Uh, big Chiefs fan. You know, I will say this, and, and I said this to you before we started the segment. I say this about the Saints and the Chiefs often. Yeah. Maybe the Seahawks might be like this too. I don't know, but they got a little bad boy in them there in, the, in that last this past decade. They're likable teams. They're likable fan bases. The Chiefs are. If you the ever go to a Chiefs such game, a cool environment yeah, it's there. like a college atmosphere in a sense. It's awesome. Yeah. The great, great tailgating. And what you forget about the Chiefs is the history. Oh, and man. what you also forget is because I feel like the Steve DeBerg years, they had Montana, all these other years that they've been pretty decent. But they never were good enough to yeah. get in this game. When it came out, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, that it started to spread out 50 years, 50 years, it had been that long. I was shocked at that. It yeah. feels like they've been pretty good over the they years. Have, but it's always that one and out. Always that one and out. You know, yeah, Schottenheimer ran into that. Oh. Yep. Third and short, we're going to run right up the middle. <laughs> like, nah. It's like I can call it play for what happened. But uh, I love how diehard of a fan uh, you are, man. I love that. Well, that's the thing. It's like you're probably getting more out of today than the people who get to interview you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because I mean, you get to see all, so, all this Kansas well, you look City at, stuff. You know, because I've been to the Super Bowl before, sure. you know, right? Because it always leads in um, to, to our Super, Super Bowl, Bowl right? But you've never seen it with Kansas City Chiefs signage everywhere. You know, just I'm like walking around like a, a, a you know pivot. Um, looking at all this signage, being down on the beach and talking to Chiefs, you know, you're like, wait a minute, what, really? <laughs> Chiefs awesome. Super Bowl, it is awesome. See, Jacksonville might happen yeah. someday, and that's oh, what it's going to feel like. Hey, trust me, <laughs> it was a long time coming. <laughs> um, but again, you know, this this team, you know, led by Andy Reid, what a story that has been. What a change cool of events. You just, again, to your point, you want to fruit for that guy. When Big Red comes down that tunnel, so the Chiefs have a locker room bar, which, which I think is a great idea as a fan. Um, you need that in the garage. But, but if I was a competitor, I wouldn't think it was a good idea. Yeah, it would well, be like them putting a bar you know, in our driver's meeting. Like, literally, that's what it's like. I'm like, man, are you sure? You know. Um, but I love it as a fan, you know, and every time that team runs down there, and here comes Big Red, boy. And I mean punching holes in the concrete down there, straight laser focus, headed to the game. Um, it just that intensity you can see in that guy. Uh, and and I, I think, man, and I'm serious. I feel it. I think it's their year. I really do. I do, too. A I lot do, too. Of, They're a lot of people certainly do. And uh, the cool thing for you guys in NASCAR is that your season ends right when football season's getting good. Oh, yeah. So you get to enjoy the playoff push and now the postseason. Yeah, it's pretty rough. You go from Sundays in the car, sweating your butt off, to Sundays on the couch. 
feeding your face. It's goes, <laughs> your body goes the other way very fast during football season. But, uh, you know, it needed. You know, long grueling schedule. Um, kind of envious of these guys and their schedule, to be honest with you. But uh, long grueling schedule on us, so it's 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 nice. It's a relief to be able to uh, – you kind of get lost for a few weeks, to be honest with you. But thank God uh, football's there, and you can kind of sit down and get planned and get tuned in on some competition because as a competitor, there's nothing replaces that. You know, uh, uh, obviously – kids and everything else but you need something to you know fuel that fire that's why guys like kyle larson go and run the chili bowl and things like that exactly right well i did too when i was 20 years old (laughs) (laughs) so i keep telling him i said enjoy all that stuff you're running around wait till you're 40 and have two kids and a wife that's been with you for a long time and when she decides to put her foot down and says hey guess what jack we're not going to the chili bowl this year we're not going to new zealand and racing midgets we're going to take the family skiing that's what we're going to do you're like Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how fast you lose with that thing. When that shows up, then them kids show up. You listen, bud. That's it a, will happen. It's a good idea to listen yes. to. Trust me. Happens I'm 42. Fast. It's happened. Yeah. Uh, and I don't drive cars, but uh, you do. Clint Boyer. How? Uh, 40 years old. Not say you're old. You look great. You still loving it? Because a lot of oh, guys absolutely. we've seen now in the last handful of years, right, at this kind of age, you know, here's uh, Jimmy's thing. run into that, too. Jimmy's done it 20 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, still got, uh, I would hope, four more years at least, you know, okay. and I love it, yes. And, and that's, I think, you know, talking to Jimmy, he's got things that, he, you know, all of a sudden that, that just your mind is there you know his i I saw we all watch him on social media and his his daughters are enjoying skiing as we just alluded to or you know they they got horses now i told him i said you better keep racing you get in them hay burners (laughs) yeah them babies eat a lot of hay uh especially if you want to win you know, I think it's as, it's as expensive as a race car is, but uh, of course he's um, you know, your mind yeah. starts, it, it, it all of a sudden isn't in that, uh, you know, behind the helmet and, and um, in that race car. So um, not for me, man. I'm still in it. I still love to, to be a part of it. I still love going to the racetrack. I still love seeing the fans. Um, still love passing that guy, you know, getting that guy in front of you, behind you, and knowing that you did it. That's cool. The cool thing for for guys like you and for Jimmy is that you're still very much in these teams that have all the equipment, all the manpower needed to go out there and win a championship. I mean, Stuart Haas has proven that with how Kevin Harvick's run the last few years. And and certainly, you finishing top ten in the points last year, you're right there with that group. You just want to break through and get the victory later. And I think that's it, too, right? As, As long as you can stay competitive, you know, you yourself personally and and your equipment. I mean, if I was running around there 20th... it doesn't pay enough, man. You, yeah. you know, you're gone a lot. And, I mean, it just, I did it. I had to do it. I, I had to wait a year uh, to get in this 14 car and figure that year out. It was either sit on that couch and eat more potato chips <laughs> and, and a couple of bush lights, or, or it was uh, figure it out and get in something to be on the racetrack. Like I told you, I like passing that guy. Yeah. I don't like being that guy. It sucked. Yeah, and I can I can sense that you're a competitor. You, yeah. you want to be able to compete and win. I, I like a, a nice script building here over the next few weeks. Kansas City Chiefs win the first Super Bowl uh, in 50 years, and Clint Boyer, big Chiefs fan, in the 14 car, Stuart Haas Racing, they, wins his first ever Daytona 500. If this thing ever pushes back, or they move the 500 forward, oh, we got big problems with these Chiefs staying in it. I mean, <laughs> how long's the hangover last? I got three weeks. Surely I can get over it. Does it? Does the the chase for the Daytona 500 
for you as a competitor in your sport still weigh as heavy as it did at one time, um, or is it now just another race that you hope you can get fortunate enough to win? Right. They don't like us to say it's our Super Bowl, but that's the equivalent. I mean, that that is the granddaddy of them all. That's the one that we all grew up as kids dreaming of competing in that race and then someday holding that trophy in front of everybody. That's the one that all eyes are on deck. That's the one that has a radio row, has all the players, all the celebrities show up. That is our big dance. Yeah, that one's right around the corner, too. We'll have all the drivers come down the red carpet on the Wednesday before qualifying and really get that week kind of ramped up and and ready to go. And and we're excited for it. I know that. I know you guys are excited as well. Always changes in NASCAR. This year the schedule with some pretty yep. major changes. The the second Daytona race moving to that last cutoff before the, the championship run. You know, but it's it's a breath of fresh air to know that that's just the, the only change. You know, no. usually as a competitor within a sport, it's a rule change that you're trying to overcome. Um, building cars, rebuilding cars, more importantly. You know, you already have that stuff done. They throw a rule change at you, you know, a month before the season. It's like, oh, my gosh. People don't realize when they make those rule changes how much goes in to being able to, to be competitive because of a difference in a, in a rule here or there. Um, this year, it's all the same. Um, that window of opportunity is going to be even tighter because of that. Usually, you start off the year with a new rule change. You're kind of chasing your tail a little bit, trying to figure out your way, right? Um, now... It is, uh, everybody's the same. Everybody, those hot rods are already ready. You know, they're ready to go out and, and, and race the Daytona 500. But not only that, you got to remember, as soon as that's over, we go west. West three weeks in a row. That's a, that's a tough thing for the teams because that means those cars already have to be built and prepared yeah. before we go to Daytona. Um, for a different type that of, window of too, you know? Right, absolutely. But that, that window of opportunity that I speak of, now it becomes down, you know, comes time to uh, the difference between the men and the boys and who's going to win this race is the decisions that are made. You know, caution comes out. Now, pits are open, two tires staying out, four tires. What are we going to do? We need to know now. This is the winning moment. This is our opportunity, you know. All those things are going to happen faster, and it's going to come down to who makes a better decision ahead of and better than the next guy is going to be the one that wins. Hey, I'm fired up for you and your Chiefs. Uh, I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm rooting for him maybe just for you because we're going to see you in two weeks. I, I want sold to you, you on the Chiefs. You see that? Pretty good. Pretty good I'm sell, gonna come around. You see all these people in the background going at them one at a time, Give baby. Give me a hat. I mean, either that or you can wear our hat. I mean, that's probably better. There we go. You do have a good lid. <laughs> what? Who decided to shave? Well, that's I Austin that. back in the studio. He 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 went home today. He's training for an MMA fight. He's so an MMA fight. Home a little early. He looks like he's training. <laughs> I'm not. He looks big. I'm not. <laughs> big. Good idea. I'm yes. not making fun of him. Good idea. Good idea. He'll be down at Daytona. I'll introduce you. I'm done. You look like a a man. That is man-sized stuff right there. Clint Boyer, good luck in a couple weeks. Have fun with the Super Bowl, man. Good to see you. Clint Boyer drives the number 14. We'll see him down at Daytona in just a couple weeks at Daytona 500. Also on We'll be right around the corner. And we're back from Super Bowl 54 in South Florida right after this. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. On the road once again. He smells a lot more, and he also listens to rap, uh, rap music more. Yeah. He likes, um, who was listening to the other day? Um, Biggie, right? Little Biggie, little Tupac. You know he's a Cali guy, so he likes Tupac. <laughs> that is Shady McCoy running back to the Kansas City Chiefs talking about his head coach, Andy Reid. And, and 
being there for those few days that I was at Miami Beach at the convention center, um, you know, talking with the media, everything, and talking with players past and present, one thing's for sure, and that's that nobody dislikes Andy Reid. He just he has that type of personality. Um, you know, he has a type of culture that he's established, whether it's with the Eagles or with the Chiefs, and guys just love playing for him. And, and I'll be honest, man, and listen, I'm, I'm the last person to be critical of the media because I'm fresh to this game still, so I don't think it's my place to say, like, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. But, man, we're talking Monday night at media night. I don't know how many questions Andy Reid got asked about food, like, what do you need after, uh, you know, you win the Super Bowl? What do you need here? Like, what do you enjoy going out to dinner in Kansas City? It's like, man... Okay, we get it. Like the guy likes food, but there's so much more to him. But like, it was like the the easy way out. So, honestly, I probably heard the question of what does he like to eat and what would he eat if he wins the Super Bowl. I probably heard that at nauseum about 15 times, and I was literally standing over there for about 15 minutes. So it was a little ridiculous. But um, to, to talk about one of one of the salt of the earth guys, one of the most genuine people, and that's head coach Andy Reid. Another salt of the earth guy, another genuine guy that's joining me in the studio right now. Is Action News Jack's John Bachman. How are we doing? Hey, man. Welcome back. Thank you, uh, man. I would say that using the term media for some of those folks is a stretch just a bit. Yeah, That's all yeah. I'm going to say about yeah, that. I, I hear you. you know? I hear you. I mean, because who, who cares? No, exactly. Who cares? Right. They exactly. shouldn't be asking those questions. Exactly. But that's how it works at the Super Bowl. I've covered a Super Bowl before. You get people from all over the place there because it's a spectacle, mm-hmm. and they don't know or care anything about football yeah barely sports well it's that and then also it's obviously the punt pass and kick thing when he was obviously towering over every single contestant in that like yeah i get it. i'm sure he's asked that question for like the past three years probably a hundred times um per week and he got asked that question a lot too so mm-hmm. like put it back in the deck you know do some research ask something new i think homework but, it's called homework, homework. yeah but, but speaking of homework a little bit here i actually caught up with andy reed in a short interview here i had a couple questions to ask him um during the media day we'll quick play that and then we'll uh me and john I'll take over the show a little bit here. That's right, man. I saw you back. It's great to see you, man. Great to see you. My question to you is, Deshaun Watson, you guys are a fan of him, but you guys love Patrick Mahomes. What was the difference? What did you see from Patrick Mahomes coming out of college where you just fell in love with him? Yeah, listen, I think both of them are great. They're great for the NFL, right? I mean, we know that. Um, Patrick, you know, it wasn't a decision on either or. That's not what we did. We just, we, Brett Veach had been on Patrick forever. And so... He brought us and he wore us out on that take. So we knew Patrick like we like he was one of our guys already. So I brought both of them up and interviewed them, spent a ton of time with them. I knew both of them were going to be superstars, and uh, you just had that feeling. I always say this. You're the ultimate players coach, and I love playing for you the short time that I did. I appreciate it. Um, my question to you, though, is so like the modern-era NFL player, you know, it's always changing, right? I mean, there's social media and all that stuff, but it seems like your style is tailor-made for the modern-era NFL player. Do you feel that way, that the fact that you never had to truly change your personality or anything like that? Uh, you know what? I think if you treat guys the right way, uh, they, they play hard and, and uh, they enjoy it. There's got to be some enjoyment in it, right? And so uh, why ruin something that they love doing? Uh, that's not what I'm into. I'm into teaching and working hard, and then when you have time to enjoy, you enjoy, man. One last question for you. So, so the, the, the pregame speech the night before in the hotel, are you going to get a cheeseburger? <laughs> Always. So, I asked him a food question, but yeah, now why did. did I ask him yeah. a food question? All right. So, so the actually, there's a little more after that that he says, and he's like, oh, you remember that, huh? And what happened was, so when I was there in Kansas City for a short time, I've kind of told the story a little bit before, but I'll tell it again. Before every single game, whether it was home or away, and it's, you know, Saturday night, we're in the hotel room, he would break down his pregame speech the exact same way. And he was never a rah-rah guy. He's like, all right, guys, we, we got, you know, so-and-so coming up, pretty good team. 
Let's go out there. Let's go to work. And that would be it. And then he would always break the meeting down by saying, I went to the kitchen. That's pretty good cheeseburgers. Let's go have a cheeseburger on me. My treat. And, and that's how he broke down every single meeting <laughs> before a game was, let's go have a cheeseburger. My treat. Now, if you're familiar with Doug Peterson of the Eagles, he copied Andy Reid because he worked for Andy Reid, obviously. He was a coordinator in Kansas City. Doug Peterson breaks down every single meeting by saying, let's go have an ice cream. My treat. So um, it was Love cool. It. Andy Reid still does that even after all these years. Uh, that was there. He's still doing it. But obviously a classy guy. Man, it is so hard not to root for that guy. I mean, yeah. you have to root for him. I'm rooting yeah. for him. I picked yeah. the 49ers. I'm still rooting for oh, Andy Reid. Well, what, what, what do you have to lose? Either the good guy wins or you look like an absolute genius uh, right. by picking the 49ers. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I'm in a no-lose situation here. <laughs> Win-win for me. Um, hey, uh, I got a couple things I'm working on for the five, and I want to just tell you about them because I know you'll appreciate at least two of them. Okay. First of all, what do you think about this plant-based meat? Uh, replacement, you yeah. Know, that, these diets that everybody's got something. You of know, course, um, of course. Are you? Have you had one? Do you like them? So I haven't had any yet. Uh-huh. Um, my wife was going vegan for a while, and she made it a habit of trying to sneak like vegan bacon, like in yeah. my breakfast, and try yeah. to be like, oh, you know, like oh, this is good bacon. Right. Go like, like, like commercial. It never worked. I'd be like, oh, yep, this is vegan bacon. This, <laughs> this, this, isn't, this isn't real meat. Is it like? Sp- are you talking about like the Impossible Burger yes. specifically? That, oh, that Not specifically, but that that is one of the examples. I've I've had a few of those and they're actually really good. Yeah, but it's, it, that's that is a plant-based meat replacement. That is one of the things yeah. that we're talking about. Well, this just in for those of us who like real meat, those oh. things aren't necessarily uh, any healthier for you. And and there there, there are now uh, there, I mean there might be reasons to eat them. Certainly, sure. as you just mentioned, yeah, there yeah. are certainly good reasons to, to eat those. But yeah. if it's purely for health. We've got an investigation coming up that looks at whether they're really any healthier for you. Oh, wow. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Burger King's not going to like that. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, yeah, like I said, knows? there are plenty of good reasons to eat them if yeah. you want to eat them. Have, but have, I have you tried them? I have not. Yeah, I mean, I have. I do want to try one. Yeah. I really do because I want to see what the fuss is all about and sure. I want to see if I can tell the difference. Yeah. Um, There's a spot out by Jack's Beach, I'll tell you. Okay. All right. I'm curious to see how, you know, how authentic they taste. Of course. So I am definitely willing to try it. Uh, of course, we're call- covering the coronavirus. This thing oh. is uh, getting to be uh, much of a, uh, well, it's growing, and now we've got the first person-to-person uh, transmission in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's in Chicago, so that's up the ante big time. Um, still, you know, not I'm cautiously uh, careful here. Yeah. Um, I don't want to scare anybody, but it's definitely something you have to pay attention to. And I will leave you with this. Have you had a chance yet? I know Brent's not here, yeah. so maybe you have already talked about this big tour that's coming to Jacksonville. Have you heard? I have not talked about this big tour. Oh, I think I've heard of this big this. tour. This is the stadium tour of okay. stadium tours. Okay, Brace so got a yourself. Stadium tour. All right. All right. Sitting, he's, sitting, he's sitting down. Yeah. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. Hit me with it. Molly Crew. Oh, done. Say no more, fam. Oh, I got more. Okay. Poison. <laughs> yes. Def Leppard. Dang. And Joan Jett. Joan Jett? Yes. I yes. love rock and roll. Oh, buddy. It is going to be so good. It's, wow. Uh, it's coming this summer. Let's see. It looks like the concert is June 18th, which unfortunately is a Thursday night. So you have got to be dedicated Oof. to make this work. Yeah. Because you're going to have to either um, figure out a way to be <coughs> sick on yeah. Friday or uh, for those of us who have to work on Thursday, you're going to have to figure out a, oh. a way to get The show's oh. going to be yeah. well, Let's be honest, man. There's oh. going to be a lot of moms and dads calling for babysitters yes. as well, more than likely. Yes. Here's the question. You. Yeah. Who headlines? That's a great... My, get, my guess crew? is... 
It's got to be Motley Crue, but you know what? They, it's one of those where they may rotate. Just rotate because it. Def Leppard has to be. I mean, be. come on. I mean, yeah. and Poison. I mean, all four yeah, of them are legends. I know. I saw Def Leppard here a few years ago when they were with Foreigner. Okay. Yeah, oh. I don't know if you remember that concert. No, I mean, I don't remember phenomenal. it, but that sounds legit. And, and Def Leppard, now listen, I got to be honest. The I forget the lead singer's name now. He He's, you know, a little older now and sure. having a hard time hitting some of those notes. Sure. But they still sounded great. And Foreigner was amazing, by the yeah. way. They got a younger guy, and he's rocking it. But anyway. Fantastic. Uh, we leave you with some... A nice little closing Stevie Wonder music. It looks I love like, that. Yes, I'm yes, very superstitious. Building. Well, thanks for stopping by, and hey. this has been our weekly uh, music talk. You know, <laughs> join us radio. Yeah, to join us next week for same time, same place. Myself and John Bachman <laughs> talking music, man. Especially classic rock. All yes, right, sir. see you. Take care. Take it easy, man. See you. Thanks for stopping by. It kind of fell on on D, but it wasn't D at all. It was all of us were four inches short, and we took everybody took that responsibility to heart. We could have all done a better job. And I talked to the team about it after the game, you know, when when we were still whole as a team before we went into the off season. And so I think the guys went out and attacked the off season. They had a taste of getting to the championship game and losing it, and that's not a very good feeling. That's Andy Reid, and uh, he talks about the losing side of things and getting oh so close. And I continue to believe that there was a little bit of tension. Maybe Kansas City played a little bit tight in the postseason with the idea that they had this opportunity, this window to get to this game. And I think those sluggish starts early indicated that. Not only that, but Baltimore handed them home field advantage in the AFC Championship game. And even getting the two seed was a gift because of New England late in the regular season. So I think Kansas City knew they had to take advantage of it. And to their credit, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the rest of that Chiefs squad has really done so up until this point. I think they're the favorite. Well, they are by Vegas. I think they're going to win this football game. We'll find out if they can uh, complete it here in just a couple of days. Super Bowl 54, Brent Martineau in South Florida. Austin Lane back in the studio after being here for a few days. And I know the one reason you wanted to stay one more day was not to hang with me on South Beach just so we could walk down there with our shirts off and, you know, everybody look at me instead of you. Sorry, my life. Yeah, Jason Fitz. You wanted to come here and have a little bit of a tattoo convention with us. <laughs> Austin, let's have a real moment here. All right, I it. got the chance to meet Austin yesterday. We hung out for a couple of minutes, and now I come over today, and he's not here. I, I smell one thing, and it's called fear. I mean, fear. <laughs> we all know now that, uh, that if, if anybody asks, like, I am essentially, if I walk in the ring, Austin Lane <laughs> runs away. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Although I, I call little, him soft all the time. I, 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 I am a little disappointed because I, I had a sales pitch for you. You ready for this? Hit right. me with it. The, new, the newest sensation in all things MMA. All right. Instead of letting any MMA fighter necessarily get out there and talk, not all of them are great at it. Some of them should. Some of them shouldn't. Right? I could be the Jimmy Mouth of the South heart for <laughs> MMA fighters particularly. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Especially what we saw, you know, what happened, transpired yesterday with Jorge Masvidal and Kamar Usman. I think that they could have used one of those guys. So I'm definitely going to keep you in mind. Um, and I think we have some. Oh, going no, no, forward, no. I wanted sure. to go bigger than you. I wanted you to introduce <laughs> oh, me to some oh, well, excuse me then. So then let's go ahead and set the record straight real quick. No, I was not running away from you. I was running away from the conch fritters. I was running away from the hookah bars that seemed to be on every single block of Miami Beach. I had I had a fight coming up here in March, and I had to get away from all that, you know, temptation and get back to my roots of Jacksonville, Florida. And by the way, you guys are looking fantastic. We're in black and gray right now. You're in Miami Beach. Can we get a little color going? No, 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 no. Look at his arms. I mean, yeah, the colors on them. It's 
important. I, I had, you know, on first take your take today, uh, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN News, uh, we had a couple of guests, and I, I'm not saying the guest bookers are working against me. I'm just saying as a lifelong Raiders fan, they gave me Melvin Gordon and Chris Harris Jr. So I had to wear <laughs> some level of silver and black to, to represent Raider pride. I, I, I do have one more, Austin, I have one more important question. I saw, I saw yesterday uh, a particular MMA fighter okay. that, had, uh, that had some belts, right? And he had some championships. I'm not going to name names. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But he had somebody behind him carrying his belts for him. Correct. Why, if you're an MMA fighter, like, are they too heavy? Like, you like you don't want to work your biceps out carrying your championship belts? Would you want to flaunt like, that? Don't you wear them over your shoulder or something? Like, you really need a belt carrier when you're a fighter? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say this. I mean, depending on who it was, but I assume it was a pretty big belt with a pretty big logo on the front. Well, let's be honest. Those belts are made out of, like, 100% real cowhide, so that can be a little heavy and everything like that. But, Jason, I agree with you, dude. If I'm actually a champion of, you know, the, the UFC or Bellator, I'm either going to wear it around my neck, I'm going to wear it around my waist, and I'm going to let people know that I'm the champ. And hopefully one day, if I get there, you can kind of have your microphone and tell people that I'm the champ. So I have to oh, say it man, myself. I love this. Like, we'll walk down the aisles, and I'll just have a megaphone. And I'll be like, the champion is coming through. The yes, champion sir. is coming. Oh, look at this. We've solved the world. Well, listen, if the radio thing doesn't work out for you two, you already have the next plans. I like that. Uh, that and, and we do have a tattoo convention here. I mean, I wish yeah, you were here to see this. There's a you lot. have some Super Bowl stuff on uh, as a yeah, tattoo. So what is this my, from? My right arm is everywhere I've ever lived and the moments I'm proudest of in my career. And the band Perry, when I was touring with them, yeah. uh, we played the uh, Fox TV pregame show to the Super Bowl in New York. Very so cool. So that was a, uh, not only was that a cool moment for me, um, but because we played that, the NFL gave us tickets to the game. So it was the first Super Bowl I also got to actually attend. And so, uh, you know, we were sitting like eight rows off the field for, awesome. that, for that game. So it is part of this. But, yeah, it's the Super Bowl, American Music Awards, Dick Clark, the Grammys, um, Radio City, Billboard Awards. It's, just it's like your resume yeah, on I, your arm. Well, <laughs> the first time, uh, humble brag story, but the first time uh, I ever played Letterman, it was very cold in the studio. And I remember it was so cold that we went. I went into the store and I bought a Letterman hoodie. So the next day on whatever tour I was on, I walk out and I still have that hoodie on. And the band guys started making fun of me from another band. I think it was Rascal Flatts band guys were making fun of me for wearing, and like, too cool for school sort of thing. And that was a moment that hit me. It's like, man, you work your whole life. You give up everything. You sacrifice. And we don't even, like, we have to be so cool that it's not, like, not a we big don't deal. acknowledge it. So I started a list of the moments I was proudest of, and I knew that I wanted at some point to do this. So as more happens, this one, it goes all the way up my arm, but as more happens, there I've got a little bit of real estate left. And other than that, then, you know, I'll start going across my chest, uh, hopefully, you know, and uh, and just be able to memorialize it. When I'm 80, it's all going to look bad anyway. <laughs> so I'll just be like, this yellow blob over here is the Grammys, this yellow blob, you know, let's see. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great stuff. I always love the stories of the tattoos. Uh, uh, and that's fantastic. That is, and a colorful one, um, yeah, well, no doubt. They've done good work. Is it same person all, or yeah, all my all my work from one person in Nashville? Like oh. I'm very. Once you get one person that does it, like I'm, I'm super. I'll I'll book it out a year in advance and, and wait and get it all done. Yeah, we've talked about this before. I would don't ask where Austin got his first tattoo. You don't. It's it's not promotable. Oh wow, fifteen years old. Yeah, thank you, man. I was fifteen years old in a guy's kitchen sitting, and uh, he tattooed me. He, he tattooed a bulldog, <laughs> and it says only the strong survive around it. The only the strong survive. I part um, kind of was faded, so I got that covered up. But needless to say, to me, yeah, sitting in a guy's kitchen, a little sketchy, obviously. But being able to flaunt my tattooed arm during basketball games and football games, because I rolled, rolled up my sleeves, obviously, in my pads for football, I mean, dude. 
being like the only guy in central Wisconsin to have a tattoo, it was kind of a big deal to me. I mean, that is pretty spectacular. <laughs> Although I will say when I was touring in music a lot, uh, I would go talk to kids about, you know, the music industry and everything. And uh, I would go into a lot of schools with elementary schools and middle school kids. And it was funny. The first couple of times principals saw me, they'd, they'd flip out and be like, no, no, no. And then they'd listen to my speech. And part of what I would tell kids is like, I, yeah, I'm in knowledge. I'm very tatted. But I also tell everybody, look, if I'd have gotten that when I was 25, it would look totally different because what I accomplished at that point in my life was so much different than when I did get it, which was when I was, you know, in my late 30s. So, yeah, like, point. much different, you know, my, my message actually turned into, hey, the, the longer you wait, the more you'll get it right, and then you'll be happier with it. So, uh, uh, by the end of it, every school teacher was like, oh, listen, thank you so much for the <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> what did you think? I was going to go in and tell your kids, like, hey, the next girlfriend, just tattoo her name on it. It's fine. <laughs> It'll work out great. Hey, I saw, I've heard of this guy, Austin Lane. Yeah. Don't do what he did for his first tattoo. Yeah. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane back in uh, Jacksonville, and Jason Fitz from uh, First Take, Your Take, ESPN. He's been a, a contributor to our program on ESPN 690 for the last year and going to continue to be so. What is this like for you? This is to, to, for us. We talk sports all the time. But you see the, the music industry, the entertainment industry. Well, you've lived in both worlds. I mean, this is like a normal day for you, isn't it? Well, this is a lot like the Country Music Awards. Um, the CMAs have a radio row where you go around and you talk to radio stations from around the country. It's one of the coolest things because there's a, a camaraderie. To yeah. it. I think when you think about so much of what we're looking at here with all the stations that are here in the, in the, the Super Bowl and what the Super Bowl means to everybody, like everybody's in the same grind. There's like a true... Uh, there's a true camaraderie and bond that brings us all together. And, and that the, as cheesy as it sounds, the love of what we're covering, I think it really emanates through this. Like, there's a special energy to the Super Bowl when you're covering it. For me, maybe it's because it's my first time getting to be on this side of it, actually covering it and doing shows from uh, this area. But, you know, just being here, you look around and you say, man, this is like this is what the grind is for. This is why, this is why we all do it. First take, your take, 1 p.m. until 3 p.m. on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville, across the country, on ESPN, ESPN News. And uh, you take some of the big topics from first take uh, in the morning, and you expand upon those uh, in the afternoon. What have been some of the big topics this week? I know Kobe was. Sure. Outside of Kobe, from a Super Bowl perspective, what are people talking about, if you will? I think right now the biggest conversation is what's the ceiling for Patrick Mahomes and what's the floor for Andy Reid? And, and what I mean by like today, who had the, the who has the most to lose from a bad Super Bowl? I think a lot of people agree that's Andy Reid. And most of the game, maybe. Uh, right, absolutely. And for Patrick Mahomes, it feels like he's bulletproof, right? Like if he goes in and, and he has a terrible game, we'll somehow blame Andy Reid. If he goes in and he plays lights out, I mean, the money for Patrick Mahomes just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and the statue we're already building for him continues to get bigger, <laughs> right, rightfully so. Look, he's been absolutely incredible, but I think that's the biggest thing people have all eyes on, and, and nobody wants to give any benefit of the doubt to Jimmy G, no matter what he does. If he plays lights out, we're suddenly going to turn around and say, well, you know, that 49ers defense really got yeah, him. There. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, it's going to be Kyle Shanahan. If he's terrible, I, I think, though, he's a little insulated, too. If he's terrible, we're going to turn around and say, well, he wasn't that good to begin with, and we'll blame Kyle Shanahan. All right, uh, Austin, you got one last one. we got J- got to get Jason out of here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, first of all, you guys need to take a picture together because you look like Spy vs. Spy from Mad TV. <laughs> Second of all, I was going to ask you about Patrick Mahomes real quick. So, you know, I- I've been asked this question a lot, Jason, and when you talk about Tom Brady, you know, being the GOAT and everything, a lot of that comes from, obviously, being in Bill Belichick's system. Now, I get it. Bill Belichick is a defensive-minded guy, but one could say, well, Bill Belichick's the reason why Tom Brady's so great. What are your opinions about Andy Reid being kind of the main reason 
reason why Patrick Mahomes is so great. I think it's a huge part of it. And look, we keep saying Mahomes runs around back there until a fast wide receiver gets open. My God, if it was that simple, don't you think every guy that runs a four three <laughs> would get drafted? I mean, what 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 Andy Reid has been able to do to actually scheme guys open, and then frankly, Sammy Watkins, like Sammy Watkins, has had some good moments, but he's never been a dominant player. The way he is, like he can change a game suddenly. And and you look around at the way they've used the weapons they have. Andy Reid's scheming from an offensive mind has been absolutely incredible. And I, I think we don't, we should give that more credit. Win or lose this game, I don't care. To me, Andy Reid's already done the bulk of his work this year, and it's been great work. And, and even if we want to credit Mahomes, somebody developed it. Yeah. How often do we look at quarterbacks or players in general and say, well, they never got in the right system, they never got developed. We don't say that about Andy Reid. He has done a great job with this team. Schematically, offense. we have two brilliant coaches in this football game yeah. coming up on Sunday. Super Bowl 54. Jason Fitz, continued success. Uh, great to see you down here at Super Bowl 54, man. We don't look like spy versus spy. We look like two-fifths of a boy band, and we will take it all day long. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll sign up for that. No problem. More to come from Miami here at Super Bowl 54. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Don't forget, listen daily to First Take Your Take with Jason Fitz on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville. We'll be right back. Whatever the experience is, I mean, you always take away something from every day. Um, you know, a lot of people, I mean, whoever loses the Super Bowl is going to be ever, very upset. It's going to take a while to get over. Um, and if you're scared of failure um, and you're scared of the pain that it will feel, then this sport is not for you. And I'm just pumped to have the opportunity and we're, we're going to give it everything we have. And um, well, yeah, if you come up short, that's going to hurt a lot because we put a lot into it. But um, I think that game only time someone gives us the opportunity. Oh, the difference between winning and losing is massive when you get to this stage. It just feels like, you know, we know that in NFL regular season on a Sunday. We, we talk about it a lot, actually. Like, the difference between a W and L, regardless of how you play, sometimes you can play a pretty good football game and lose. And sometimes you can play a not-so-good football game and win. And the difference and what hides everything is astronomical. It's yeah. so amazing to me. It, unlike any other sport than football, in my opinion, although all sports are like this, especially when you get to this level, this kind of big game. I've always said it about high school football state championships. We cover those. And it's like if, they, if the team that you're covering wins, it's a huge story. If they lose, it's almost like just this abrupt ending and not really a story because you're not going to sit there and celebrate a loss. So here we are, Super Bowl 54. Getting here is such an accomplishment, such an accomplishment. But if you don't win the game, the difference between wearing that ring and holding that Lombardi trophy and just saying you were a participant in a Super Bowl is, is the Grand Canyon, man. Listen, you're only as good as your last game. And if you get to the Super Bowl and you lose it, you're basically essentially going out a loser. Now, yeah, you can maybe take some pride and take some stake in the fact that you accomplished what you did, but the purpose of the game is to obviously win it, you know, and that's what I think makes football so great and why I enjoy it even more over, like, you know, baseball uh, or basketball. It's the fact that you're on the biggest stage, all right? The whole world is watching. And, yes, you know, a football game is... It is a long and it's played out, you know, that you got 12 minutes and per quarter, everything like that. It is 12 minutes per quarter, right? I don't want to misspeak here. That, that hasn't changed. In, in high school. And what is it? NFL is 15. Hello. <laughs> All right. So, so you got 15 minutes per quarter. You, you did play. <laughs> I, I did play, man. I don't pay attention to those types of intricacies. But uh, so you got 15 minutes per quarter. And at the hey, end the of it. the field is 100 yards long. Thank you very much. And so at the end of it. 
Um, what I'm trying to say. So at the end of it, it's going to come down to maybe two or three plays. You know, like in basketball, sure, there's a turnover here, a turnover here, a three-point shot here. And obviously, a close basketball game can come down to the wire, too. And you can talk about oh, that three-point shot to win the game. Yada, yada, yada. But... In football, though, it literally only does come down to three or four plays, and that's what that's what Andy Reid right now, and and that's what Shanahan right now, that's what they're trying to get right. You know, they're they're, they're trying to stop from those three or four plays from literally ruining the game, and that's to me what makes football so special is because yeah, you got to prep for this this long marathon of a game on the biggest stage. But at the same time, you have to focus play by play by play and know that, you know what, every single play, whether it's 80 plays um, per game or 90 plays or 100 plays, every single play could necessarily make the difference. All right, caller number seven right now. Uh, we're giving away a PDQ gift card for 50 bucks coming up on Saturday and Sunday only. So for the big game weekend, you can get a chicken tender platter, 25 count or 50 count, buy one, get one free at PDQ locations in Jacksonville. 25 or 50, buy one, get one free. Heck of a deal. And right now, 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Caller number 7. We're giving away a $50 gift card. We're giving another one away in the 5 o'clock hour as well. So uh, check it out. PDQ gift card we're giving away. Also, we want to make your big game party a lot of fun. And uh, one way we're doing that is we are asking you to make a commercial for your party on Sunday. Like, you want everybody to come. Now, we're not going to invite everybody, but we are going to invite Austin Lane because he is going to deliver you a pizza party from Renna's Pizza. This huge pizza, which feeds about 20 people, uh, garlic knots as well, four liters of Coke or Diet Coke, and we're going to throw in some giveaways as well, and Austin Lane's going to deliver it to you. But here's what you have to deliver to us. By tomorrow, we're going to announce a winner, and you have to make your commercial, 30 seconds or less. Leave it at Star Star 690 or on any of our social media channels. We do have some entries, and they're already pretty fun. And the only restriction is use four words. Rennes, ESPN 690, pizza, and party. And Coos, you're playing along. Yeah, did you come? To, now, I, now, you can't win, dude. You uh, can't win. Well, that's now, why I made this. What I will do is I'll have Austin deliver you something. I just don't know what the heck that might be. <laughs> okay. I will probably pay for that. A high five's fine. All right, gotcha, man. <laughs> deliver. Knock on the door, high five, walk <laughs> away. High five later, dude. <laughs> have, a, have a good one. <laughs> that's, so what do you got, Coos? All right, hold on, hold on one second. This weekend, the party of all parties goes down at Coos's place. Anyone who is anyone will be there. Rihanna, TJ McConnell, Jay-Z, and Shakira, though she'll have to leave early for some reason. Party snacks include the only thing that matters, a Rena's pizza. So tune in to ESPN 690 all week and listen, because if you don't, you won't be allowed in. Kuz's Big Game Party, going down this weekend. People with AirPods not allowed in. Bring your own drinks, because yep. I'm poor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Austin, okay. you're the king of this stuff. What is it? Okay. How, I thought that was awesome, by the way. No. Okay. I, what, hey, we can, can we hire Kuz full-time? If he's going to do this kind of stuff That's full-time, awesome. okay. we, need, we need to talk to Nick. First of all, I'm, I'm going to need you to make like, like a Jock Jams mega mix for my walkout <laughs> song in March uh, when I fight. So that's on the docket now. Congratulations. Overall, yeah, I mean, fantastic. You put TJ McConnell in there, nice touch. That was good. I was not invited. Little criticism, though, Coos, all right? What's little, up? I'm a little upset. And of all the music that you had to use... I knew you, you were like this. <laughs> one of my favorite bands in Pink Floyd, and you go the wall, but it's a techno dubstep version of a Pink Floyd song. How did you did, pick that up that quick? I'm oh, come so on, bad man. at that. Come on, man. But 
Where'd you find that? I it actually came on my uh, my uh, Spotify as I was working out today, and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm using that. <laughs> hey, a little flex right there, working out too before you did this. <laughs> I, yeah, I know, right? I'm just saying, Pink Floyd, mega mix of. Like you know, I guess you'd call was that, is that like house music or was that more? I honestly, uh, I would guess is. dubstep. Dubstep. Yeah, <laughs> not a fan of it, but I see where you're going. That's awesome. By the way, we're gonna take a time out. We come back. We compare Jags roster and how much separation it is to the 49ers and the Chiefs roster. So let's take a look at it. And Coos, can you do me a favor? On the way out of this from Super Bowl 54, we got one more hour to go on a Thursday. Can you play your commercial to break? Please. All right. Yeah, people are going to be fist pumping the Pink Floyd. Can't wait. This weekend, the party of all parties goes down at Coos's place. Anyone who's anyone will be there. Rihanna, TJ McConnell, Jay-Z, and Shakira. Though, she'll have to leave early for some reason. Party snacks include the only thing that matters, a Rena's pizza. So tune in to ESPN 690 all week and listen, because if you don't, you won't be allowed in. Kuz's Big Game Party, going down this weekend. People with AirPods not allowed in. Bring your own drinks, because I'm poor. Mustache guy. <laughs> Is that a good situation for them? Yeah, I think it's a good situation. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know about the contracts, but uh, other than the contracts, I, I, I like, uh, yeah, I like the mustache. You just said you, you, you never can have enough of that position, but I mean, can it get messy sometimes because of that? Well, it can. Yeah, it can get messy, but that's the head coach's responsibility to handle that mess. That's Jimmy Johnson catching up with the former Dolphins, Cowboys, Miami Hurricanes coach. Anywhere else? I don't think so. Hall of Famer, (laughs) Jimmy Johnson, and asking him about the situation. He's like, I don't care about the contracts. I don't know the contracts, but I'll go with the mustache guy uh, when asked about it. Uh, (laughs) Kind of funny. Uh, A little bit, too, of, you know, I, I think from the national perspective sometimes, don't know a whole heck of a lot about Jacksonville, quite frankly. I mean, they really don't. There's no deep dive on Jacksonville. They know the headlines, and Minshew has been a headliner, and Foles was a headliner, so I get it, but that's just kind of the way it is uh, when it comes to and, and by the way, the Jaguars really haven't given them reason to, from a national headline standpoint, uh, talk about them with the amount of wins or be that relevant other than 2017. And when they were in 2017, they were a headline grabber around the NFL. Uh, I remember waking up uh, to Good Morning Football NFL Network. It seemed like a Jags player, coach, or a mention were on. They were on that show like every day. It felt like in 2017. So you win, and all that stuff takes care of things. It's amazing. It's it's that simple. Just a fine line, winning and losing. And the Jaguars have done a heck of a lot more losing over the years. Brett Martineau, Stuart Weber here at Super Bowl 54 in Miami as we continue uh, our coverage. Austin Lane, Coos, back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Marcel Robinson made the trip back to Jacksonville. Uh, a couple of things. We're key, we are working toward on the TV side on CBS 47 and Fox 30. A one-hour special on Saturday night. We'll be down at South Beach for that. Uh, that will be at 7 o'clock on both stations, CBS 47 and Fox 30. We'll have the news of Tony Baselli if he got in the Hall of Fame. Leroy, but- Leroy Butler, uh, and some say Leroy Butler, but I say Leroy Butler. And uh, <laughs> we will have that as well. And so much more. We'll have some Jags angles, but also talk about this football game. But it won't be an hour on the Chiefs and 49ers. Same thing on Sunday morning. We did a cool story on Calais Campbell and his impact on one family in particular in Jacksonville. We'll have that story 
story for you on Sunday morning. Uh, and we hope to catch up with Gardner Minshew. I told you yesterday he made the rounds here. We saw that, Austin, when you were here. Well, I'm leaving the show in about 15 uh, minutes or so and going ahead uh, about 20 minutes away from here and try to catch up with Gardner Minshew. So hope to have a little bit of that both on radio tomorrow and on TV this weekend for you as he's had a busy schedule here uh, and we are tracking him down and chasing him down. He's actually doing an event uh, right now with Peter King. Uh, who we've had on the show before, and uh, that's going on across town right now in Miami. So a lot of things happening. Make sure you stay with us uh, from Super Bowl 54. And just want to note, it's not just the Super Bowl coverage. Uh, It's been awesome to get some guests, but I think there's some deep diving that happens on the Jacksonville Jaguars, different perspectives. Not only Jimmy Johnson there. Yesterday we got Terry Bradshaw and Gardner Minshew and Howie Long on Tony Baselli, And I caught up with Maurice Jones-Drew, and he was really strong on a lot of different Jags topics. I'll share that with you on Friday's program here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. So uh, it's always fun, Austin. I know you've done this now a couple years in a row, but it's, I think it's interesting to get other people's perspective because we get caught up in everybody who listens to the show, watches on TV, we interact with at games or, or elsewhere in Jacksonville. There's that perspective, but then there's this 30,000-foot view perspective of the Jaguars, and I think that's what we find here at events like this, the Super Bowl, maybe the Combine when I end, end up there, uh, and even the NFL Draft. Yeah, without a doubt. First of all, if you do see Garner Minshew, you do interview him, please ask him about the Tracy Chapman fast car song because if you don't, I'm going to be all the way bummed. But when we're talking about, yeah, the, the outside perspectives, right? I mean, we have our ears so close to the ground here because obviously we cover the Jaguar. So anytime you can kind of get the, the national opinion a little bit, especially from former players like Maurice Jones Drew, who, you know, have had long careers, who, uh, who, who, you know, who still obviously keep track of the game, I think it's important. I, th- I think sometimes when you ask people from the outside world and the national media, right, like they're not really focusing too much probably on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So some of the stuff maybe they say, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that. But it's interesting to get the different perspectives. But when you get a former player, especially a former Jacksonville Jaguar, those are the interviews that I want to hear. Yeah, and it's been fun to catch up with those. I'll tell you this, Maurice Jones-Drew animated today, talking about a lot of different topics. And we had Maurice Jones-Drew on during the whole Jalen Ramsey stuff and the Yannick Ngakwe stuff. So uh, given that, uh, a few more months to simmer and other events that have since happened, uh, catching up with Maurice Jones-Drew on those fronts uh, was pretty good. So we will share that once again coming up uh, tomorrow, but plenty more on CBS 47, Fox 30, and always right here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hope you continue to follow along. Uh, let's talk about the Jags in relation to the Chiefs and 49ers. <laughs> it seems like there's a big gulf, doesn't it, uh, between the two. But in the NFL, we know this. It's closer than most people think. Um, it can change quickly. Uh, I, I can throw one element out there that would say if, and it's a huge if, Gardner Minshew is, wow, the guy, and the Jags have found something, well then that gap between the Jaguars and so many other teams changes in a hurry. So simply that. It changes in a hurry. But, Austin, if you look at this team, so we're not going to go position by position, but maybe position group or key position group by key position group. And if you talk to a lot of people around the league, they say, hey, depth is important in the NFL, even though you only have 53 players, 45 of them active on a game day. Depth is important. We don't talk about depth very much. Uh, but most teams that do well down, down the road in the postseason, they incur injuries, and they're going to have to put up with that to get to a stage like this. And then maybe they get healthy. Maybe they get some breaks, much like these two football teams have. But depth is important. So uh, overall, the Jags, we know, lack depth. They certainly don't have that. 
from a broader picture, Austin, I also think we know they lack experience because they are the youngest football team, if you include the quarterback position, uh, by age in the NFL. So those are two things that the Jaguars have to try to beef up, experience and also their depth. They have to get better there. Yeah, you know, and listen, if if we were to try to compare the Chiefs and the 49ers right now to the Jaguars, what they have on the roster, obviously you're not going to go the tight end route. Um, it's hard to go the quarterback route right now even. Um, you know, maybe the running game could kind of be comparable with San Francisco. But to me, what reminds me a lot of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and kind of how they have approached their free agency and also the draft, it reminds me a lot of the 49ers defensive line. Because if you look at D Ford, if you look at Nick Bosa, those are two guys that are legit defensive ends, you know, and they run a lot of their defense through those guys. Heck, they actually changed their whole defensive scheme a little bit to fit those two guys. Um, you know, and that was with when Chris Kasarek from the Detroit Lions came in and implemented the wide nine. And I think if you look at Josh Allen, I think if, if, I'm, yeah, if you look at Josh Allen, if you look at Yannick Ngakwe, you know, it's, we talk about it being very rare to have two bona fide defensive ends. Well, the 49ers have that, and the Jaguars have that. And then as far as the middle is concerned, you have guys like DeForest Buckner, who's an absolute behemoth of a man. We obviously saw him Monday night, and yeah, man, I was looking up to him for sure. A lot like Calais Campbell, obviously. Now, I think DeForest Buckner's probably a little younger, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure of the exact age, but you know, they're very comparable. And on the other side, you have Sheldon Day, who was a former uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, now playing on the 49ers. And you know, that can be kind of like a guy like Avery Jones a little bit. So, I think if you look from top to bottom on the roster, I think the most comparable thing, and it's ironically the thing that makes the 49ers so good, is their defensive line. Yeah, and again, if you go back to 17 when the Jags were successful, I think you can at least equate this defense of the 49ers to them. It looks the part, right, in in both scheme and parts. Uh, that front four, uh, shut down corner, uh, good linebacker play uh, across all three levels. The Jaguars seemingly had stars, and here we are a couple years later wondering where that is, where it has gone with the Ramsey departure, Telvin Smith departure, Calais Campbell, will he be a part of it? Yannick Ngakwe, will he still be a part of it? Dante Fowler's already gone, and now there's a rebuild potentially on that defensive side, especially in the trenches. Marcel Darius certainly could be gone as well. So uh, that's how far, how quick it can go. Uh, from from that standpoint, I think if you look at the prime positions, first of all, you're talking about two coaches that are have done a fantastic job uh, from a schematic standpoint. We talked about it with Jason Fitz; they've done a great job. I don't know if you can say that. I'm not saying Doug Marone and the coaching staff are bad coaches, but I don't think it jumps out at you what they do week in week out schematically. It just doesn't. And maybe Jay Gruden will help change that. But if nothing else, I think the Jaguars get ripped week in week out for their schematics more so than praised and that comes with wins and losses so that's kind of obvious you look at the quarterback spot we know what that is and it's not even close although jimmy garoppolo i still think how do you feel about jimmy garoppolo austin in terms of the money he's making and how he projects for the next five years i mean they signed him to a big deal for 28 million a year are you all in on the jimmy g camp or does he need all this other stuff around him like many quarterbacks do well here's the thing here's the genius part about it If, if you're jimmy g it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter if you put the team on your back or not because guess what, man? You're playing in the Super Bowl. And it's almost like that Ryan Tannehill effect that I talked about a couple weeks ago where Ryan Tannehill had the addition of all additions. If he was uh, able to take the Tennessee Titans and take them to the Super Bowl, 
Well, then you have to offer him a new deal because I don't care if Derrick Henry had 300 yards against the Chiefs. If Ryan Tannehill was part of that team as a quarterback, as the general of the team, you have to pay him. Now, obviously, Tannehill gets beat, the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, and now we're here. But I think the same thing could be kind of said for Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, where obviously in that offense that Shanahan has implemented, it is run first, it is run heavy, and they kind of asked Jimmy G to kind of fill the cracks here or there with the play action. And that's fantastic. You know, I mean, I think if you're a quarterback, you're excited to play that. But my point being, as long as you're winning and you're not turning the ball over, I think you're going to be okay. I think as we see the emergence of Emmanuel Sanders, you know, still being um, able to do his thing at such a, you know, he's getting up there in age. And obviously guys like Debo Samuel and having that fail-safe guy at tight end and George Kittle. Yeah, I think Jimmy Garoppolo going forward is going to be pretty successful. Hey, uh, Austin, weapons-wise, Kansas City's unmatched. I mean, you couldn't even sign up for that many weapons in a video game. Alan Robinson told us earlier in the show, he uses them on Madden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, a little different. They like to run the football, much like the Jags like to run the football. They have Emmanuel Sanders, good uh, receiver. Um, Samuel, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, and he's, he did well. Debo Samuel in the, in, did a nice job in the postseason, especially. Probably had a pretty good year. I didn't watch him week in, week out, but I'm saying in the postseason he's shown up. But not so different than the Jags, right? They're not dynamic at wide receiver, but George Kittle certainly helps their cause. Again, we go back to the tight end. That's where San Francisco and maybe the Jags are different. They have a power running game here in Jacksonville. They have a weapon or two on the outside, but they have no tight end. Well, let's be honest, Brent. It's tight end, and what else, it's also something else. It's the fullback, right? And we talked about all the time on the show back in 2017 when the Jaguars are running the ball when they're humming when they're playing AFC championship games they had a fullback and the ironic thing about both these teams right now in the Super Bowl is that they, they feature the fullback. Now, yeah, maybe you know, you're know you not going to see 10 catches or something like that, especially from the Kansas City side, but they have a job to do, and they do it very well. So, yeah, obviously a tight end is a big security blanket. It helps out a lot, but don't forget about that fullback, too, especially in the run game. All right, one last one uh, I want to compare, and that is um, offensive line. I don't sit here and look at the Chiefs offensive line and rave about it. But that's probably underrated because we rave about everything else on offense. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, San Francisco, you know they're tough up front. They're really strong up front and physical up front. And they have that presence to them, much like the Ravens do too. Uh, and we've been saying for months now, the Jaguars need to get tougher. I hate saying that in football because it's a tough man sport and everybody's tough who plays it. I'm not calling them soft. They need to be more physical because of the style they play to be able to play that play action effectively. And the Jaguars need more of that. I don't think of the Jaguars as a super tough physical team in the trenches. And I think going forward, the Jaguars have to find that as an identity the way they're built. Exactly. And this was what kind of makes the game so intriguing here, Brent, because you had Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game come to San Francisco, and you can see what the goal was. You want to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And the ability for San Fran just to impose their will in the run game, it threw Green Bay all out of whack. Now, yeah, Green Bay kind of made a late charge, but at least from my perspective, I never felt like the Green Bay Packers were in that game from the second drive for the 49ers when they're literally just running the ball down the Packers' throat and they couldn't stop them. And that's what makes this game so intriguing. And, and listen, I, I know I talk about it all the time. Run the ball, stop the run. Run the ball, stop the run. Well, if you look at the 49ers, man, that's exactly what they do. But the intriguing part about the 49ers is they have the offense. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They have George Kittle. They have Debo Samuel. And they have all these exotic formations, whether it's the Jet or something of that nature, where they can create the home run ball, just like the Chiefs do. So if you're the 49ers, I feel like you almost have the advantage from the standpoint of 
you can kind of dictate the tempo a little bit. Do you want to slow the game down? Do you you, you kind of want to make it in the trenches? You know, make it a kind of, kind of a sloppy game like the Green Bay game was, or do you want to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs? I would probably lean more towards running the ball and slowing the clock down, obviously keeping Mahomes off the field. But I'm interested to see what Shanahan's going to do, especially remember Brent coming off that Falcons Patriots game where they kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be very interesting, the chess match of this, and I think you're right on the money about that. Uh, a couple of things. I'm about to get out of here in a few minutes. I'm going to leave you with, uh, in when we come back, my interview with Mike Golick uh, today, and then we're going to chase down Gardner Minshew, we hope. So we'll have a little bit more of that uh, later tonight on TV, CBS 47, Fox 30, and uh, tomorrow here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And I do have to ask about uh, Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, right? Fast Car, yes, please. I'd appreciate that very much. Like that's question number one. Like, where does that fit in my uh, rotation of questions? I mean, as far as priorities are concerned, um, I would probably say, how are you feeling, first of all? And then number two, tra- fast car Tracy Chapman, your thoughts. And then, <laughs> and, and then talk football from there. Okay. But, th- Brent, this is a high-priority situation. I'm telling you, man, I'm not lying to you. We, we, we had a very active Twitter poll when this thing came out, when it was John Bachman and myself talking about it. I think you were on vacation during that time. But um, there's there's a lot of people on Twitter right now, a lot of people listening that are hanging by a thread, waiting to hear Gardner Minshew's thoughts about Tracy Chapman. All right. A couple of other notes. Uh, Going to start crying. <laughs> very good. Very good, Coos. Uh, crying? Just my allergies. <laughs> Kerwin Bell uh, back uh, with the Florida Gators as an offensive analyst. Uh, Zach Goodell tweeting that out earlier today. So good for Kerwin Bell. Uh, back uh, kind of where it all began for him. The former Gator quarterback is back in Gainesville. He was most recently with USF. And did you hear this? Uh, I think Mike Freeman just tweeted this out, that Donovan McNabb talked to the Chiefs today. Andy Reid brought McNabb back, of course, led uh, the Eagles to that Super Bowl appearance in Jacksonville. So a little note there from Super Bowl 54. We're going to give away a PDQ gift card right now, $50 gift card. 904-362-9901 904-362-9901 or star star 690 let's call it caller number 5 right now 904-362-9901 $50 gift card to PDQ and once again this weekend Saturday and Sunday get ready for the big game and 25 or 50 count chicken tender platters buy one get one free really good deal this week and at PDQ at uh, restaurants around the Jacksonville area so make sure you check that out but right now, we'll give you a $50 gift card if you call our number 5, 904-362-9901, star star 690. All right, man, you've got the rest of this one after my interview with uh, Mike Golick. That's coming up next. You got and it. then you take it home from there. We're going to go track down Gardner Minshew. The question is, how are you? And then Tracy Chapman, oh, fast car, what do you think? You bet, Brent. I appreciate it a lot, man. Like I said, the whole world is hanging by a thread waiting to hear his answer. I'm excited for uh, myself, so hopefully you can ask him that question. And I'm just going to sit back here now and just listen to the song because there's some adult situations going on in it. I'm not sure what's happening in it, but I know it affects me somehow. All right, we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 from Super Bowl 54. Rolls on right after Tracy Chapman and Fast Car. You got a fast car. Welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 from Super Bowl 54 here in South Florida. Brent Mortno, along with Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo in the morning on ESPN 690, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. You guys are having a blast. You just told me 24 years. 
yeah. at the Super Bowl. It's changed a bit. I would say it has, and I still don't go to the game. I, I, I never made it there in nine years as a player, and I said, so I'm never actually going to go to the game. A, it's crazy at the game. It's better to watch on my couch. But B, I just, I just, I, I don't want to bring myself to go to that game and just watch something I, I never even got close to while I was playing. I was thinking of this uh, the other day, actually. I like, say, Kirk Cousins. He's, he's making almost $100 million. Yeah. He doesn't need to come here, yet he comes here still. It's like a player's convention. Some You have to come here. you got a job. Right, do. right. So why do you think so many players still come to the Super Bowl? It's, it's the mecca of the sports world right now. It's like a fraternity. You know what? It's like a fraternity where this is the one time of year you got to kind of get to see all your brothers. Yeah. You know, whether you're a current player, former player, I mean, we all have that bond, you know, over the, over the game, the same game. So it's kind of that chance to kind of mix and mingle a little bit. Uh, I, I think it's pretty cool because you do get to see, like, so many people I played with or against, and, and then you get to meet the young guys, you know, on the, who are in the game now as well. So I, I think that's the biggest reason. I think that's pretty cool, too. I mean, you guys had Dan Marino on yeah. yesterday, right? I mean, you, you, you talked some old days with, with Dan. Listen, I mean, we go the other way. Dan Marino, he and I were teammates in 93 with the Dolphins. You go from the old, like, Dan to the new. We had Gardner Minshew on, you know, yeah. as well. So, I mean, you, you that, that's the beauty of this. Not only coming to the Super Bowl as a, as a former player, but being able to do a show where you can get all those type of guests and talk to them. Well, you guys did have Gardner Minshew on. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your thought on him, the character, the player? The the one thing, and my son Mike said to him the last thing I, I thought was right on, man. He said, just keep being you. You know, the quarterback position, a lot of times you want that cookie cutter. You know, act a certain way, be a certain way. And Gardner is just, he's just a, a fun guy. You know, a fun guy, uh, and, and, and as he said, it helped, as we said, it helps when you play well yeah, yeah. And to go along with it. The it stuff, works. The stuff is fun when you're playing well. All of a sudden, if you're not, it's like maybe not so fun. But I just love his mentality. I mean, he didn't expect this. All yeah. of a sudden, there he is thrown in there and, and having to play. So I just hope he keeps that because this sport, this sport can grind on you. There's no doubt about it. And a lot depends on how your career is going. But what a breath of fresh air that he was and, and how he just really kind of grasped it. Grasped I, think, it. I think it's pretty cool he's embraced that part of it, exactly. too. You know, he's yes. here. He's all over the place. He is, right? In an RV. Although, I mean, the, the dude is just having a ball. I mean, I really respect that. The question is, do they have something in Gardner Minshew? And that's what we're all wondering in Jacksonville. They've got an interesting quarterback room. And Nick Foles probably isn't as bad as he played last year. Right. It was perceived at times. But he's got a lot of money on him. But don't the Jags almost have to roll with Minshew and see what they have? They might have found a diamond in the rough Well, I, I think, and, and Gardner told us, he said the last thing he was told, that, that it was going to be an open competition. Uh, Nick Foles and knock had always been. Yeah, he was great in the postseason. Obviously, he saw what he did in Philly. But in regular season, it was a little sketchy. But he got the money, so he's going to get the opportunity. I think it's the best way to play it now is to, because Gardner did what he did, is open it up. Yeah. You know, see where they go. But the one thing I do like is you you should know sooner rather than later. So open the competition, give them both the fair shot, and then make the decision and stick with that one going forward. Yeah, because somebody's got to grab this team and say, yes, hey, I'm exactly the guy, right? exactly right. Did that, and because the rest of the team is waiting for that. You know, we, we want the guy who's going to be the quarterback stepping into that huddle and taking control of the situation. From your perspective uh, up there in New England, uh, did the Jacks make it harder than it's supposed to be in, in the NFL? I mean, it's been tough <laughs> There, man. The one year in 17 was great, but outside of that, it's been hard to win. And there have been other organizations, it's been hard to win. But uh, so, like a team like San Francisco, boom, flipped it just like that. Well, uh, I, it, it, it looks hard in Jacksonville. I think that's what 
disappoints fans is we're now seeing what the third team in San Francisco to go four wins into the Super Bowl. I think yeah. the Bengals, I know, did it in, I think, 80-something, and the Rams did it in 99, and then you're in the Super Bowl. Yep. So because it can be done, the expectation is, well, then do it. And we've seen this Jacksonville defense and how good it's been. You know, I kind of had flashbacks when I was in Philly. Our defense was really good, but you kind of waited on the offense. You know, and there was always a question mark of Blake Bortles. You get a couple of years ago, you're right there, uh, and it doesn't pan out, and now you're switching quarterbacks and trying again because you know you have a limited, a limited window of opportunity before you start to kind of refresh. And they started doing that. Obviously, Ramsey gone on defense, but I still like what that defense is doing there. But it is hard to win in the NFL. But when you get a team that likes San Francisco four to the Super Bowl, four wins to the Super Bowl, it does. I think it gives fans kind of that kind of that thought of, well, if they're doing it, we should do it. And it's always not that easy. Yeah. The other thing going on in Jacksonville right now is, uh, you know, they already play a game in London. We've seen the Rams move a couple of times. Oakland's moving to Vegas. There's no talk in Jacksonville, by the way, of like relocation right, or anything right. like that. That, that's, that may be an outside thing, but that's not the case and really hasn't been. Shot Khan likes Jacksonville right. wants to keep in Jacksonville. But there are talk about multiple games in London. Just from a competitive standpoint, how hard is it to play in other places like that? I, I'm not a fan of doing it as much as it's being done. I played in London twice when I was playing, but they were both preseason games. Yeah. So you went there, you practiced with the team you're playing for a week, and then you played a game that didn't count. Well, these games count. Now, I get it. The flight really is just like a flight to the West Coast. It's not It's not as long. I do understand the time difference is a, is a bit of an issue, though, as well. And I know you get your bye week after that. Um, I don't, and I know the NFL, and not not Jacksonville so much, but a, a team moving to to London. I don't, I don't ever see that happening, quite honestly. Yeah, Roger Goodell backed off that. Yeah, yeah. So I just just do not see that happening. Uh, I, I think it's tough that kind of travel. I really do. I mean, I get it. They're trying to globalize the NFL. I don't think it'll ever get globalized like like basketball is, like baseball is, like hockey is. I don't think that's ever going to happen. They tried it with NFL Europe, and they dumped out of it. It was losing the money, even though it was given opportunity. I just don't think it's going to become what they want it to around the world. But London is just far enough, but just close enough to work along with they're doing the Mexico City games and stuff like that. So that's why that London thing will continue. Mike Golick with us here on ESPN 690. Herman Jacksonville every morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Golick and Wingo on ESPN 690. We'll wrap up with you, but a couple other big picture things. 17 games in a season. Uh, and the CBA that could be contentious, even though there are some thought that, that they've made some ground, gained some ground. Right. This 17 games is going to be a big thing. What's it like as a former player? How do you feel about that 17th game and all the safety concerns? Listen, if you can get enough back, you play 17 games. They'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I get the safety concerns, and, and I, I understand the direction the game has gone with, with the safety concerns. But come on, seven, another game, listen, there used to be 12, 14, 16, you're adding a 17th game. If you can get back longer, and this is the one thing that I didn't know a lot as a player, but as a former player, you speak out on more, because as you're playing, you don't think about it. Man, your benefits when you're done. The life insurance only is, is for five years. Get that. I know they love lifetime. You won't get lifetime, but get something a lot longer. That's invaluable that players, when they're playing, especially young guys, don't realize because they feel they're going to be playing forever. That's something worth fighting for. And if it's a 17th game and you can get that and some other things as well, you have to get plenty in return. Don't get me wrong. 
But I think if you get enough in return, that being one of them, you play 17 games, and I think everybody will be okay. If I was a player, I'd say, can you get rid of that May OTA stuff and all that? Make my offseason longer, Listen, too, you know? you're talking to a guy that had to start working out in March, early March. Uh, so that doesn't okay, resonate so with you. Sorry. Th- th- they get off until April, <laughs> you know, and I mean, so, no, no. They only have to wear pads 14 uh, times a true. year during the season. Hell, we had 14 times in pads probably in the first three weeks. So that part, and I'm happy they got it. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy they yeah. got those things because overall, in the long run, it is good. And the last thing they got was the later OTAs and things like that, which the coaches hate because they'd rather be with their players, you know, a lot earlier than that, like back when we played. Absolutely. I'm sure you're going to make some predictions on Friday yeah. morning. Uh, but well, I'll make them now. Where do, you see, where do you see this game? I think it's about as good a game we could have asked for in Super Bowl 54. I mean, it'll be what? If it closes under two, only the fourth Super Bowl that closed with a line under two? Crazy. I mean, that's fantastic. Normally, I would love to go with the, as a defensive player, the defense of San Francisco, especially that D-line, and say they're going to win, but Mahomes is ridiculous right now, and you look at a guy like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson have had decent games scrambling and running around against San Francisco, and Mahomes can do that as well, so in the end, I think he's just going to be too much for them, and I, I'm gonna, I'm picking him 28-24, Kansas City. Mike Golick, uh, they should give you a pin or something next year when you make it your 25, right? 25 yeah, years yeah. Super sure, why not? Just give me a, <laughs> give me a free meal. <laughs> Uh, Mike Golick, listen to him every morning on ESPN 690 in Jacksonville, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Golick and Wingle. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. We'll be right back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I for sure had those thoughts a little bit when I, whenever I, I had the injury. Uh, I think the biggest thing, as I looked down and I knew my knee didn't look right and I, I thought the worst, but at the same time, when I got back to the locker room and talked to the doctors, they, they were very positive. And then the, the next few weeks I, with the training staff, they, they, worked, they, worked, they worked me hard to go out there and, and rehab and do everything the right way, and it helped me uh, be able to come back fast and be healthy at this point in the season. Well, thank gosh they did. That's quarterback Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Going to be playing in his first Super Bowl come Sunday here. And it's funny. By the way, Action Sports Jacks Austin Lane on ESPN 690 Radio, joined by, well, really myself, and we got Coos pushing all the right buttons. Co-host Brent Martineau is en route right now to hopefully get an interview with Gardner Minshew. He's got a little shindig going on with Peter King tonight. Um, kind of bummed I can't be there for that one, obviously. I, I know Peter King pretty well. Did some articles for him. Sad I'm missing that one, but it's all good. I got training tonight, and you do what you got to do. But listening to Patrick Mahomes, and listen, he, I mean, set aside from Andy Reid, I think you would say Patrick Mahomes is the big story out of Kansas City. And it's funny because if I was to ask any non-Chiefs fan, who do you think is the person that personifies the Kansas City Chiefs? Set aside from Andy Reid, of course. But what person on that team personifies what the team's all about, right? Like, for instance... When I played, and I think even till this day, I think people would say that Brad Meester is the personification of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? I mean, you, you call them Mr. Jaguar for a reason. Um, a lot of that has to do with, obviously, his personality, rocking the camouflage uh, you know, jacket for the NFL draft. Obviously, for as long as he played um, in Jacksonville, it was very impressive as well. So, like, to me, like especially when I played, I mean, people's opinions may vary a little bit now with Gardner Minshew obviously coming out. But to me, Brad Meester, um, you know, was the Mr. Jaguar. And I think if you look on the Kansas City Chiefs roster, top to bottom right now, yeah, you maybe say Kelsey, maybe it's already Mahomes, but the underdog, the guy that nobody really talks about that I've obviously had some time, uh, spent some time playing with 
is a dude by the name of Anthony Sherman. Now, what about Anthony Sherman real quick? Anthony Sherman is a fullback who was drafted back in, I believe, 2011 in the fifth round out of Connecticut. When I showed up to training, uh, when I showed up to the training camp yeah, in Kansas City, um, he was obviously already there because it was 2013. And he was one of the very first people that I came in contact with when I showed up on Kansas City. And immediately I got the Brad Meester vibes from him. Like, there would have been no way to tell me, listen, when I came to Kansas City, that guy was only playing for two or three years. I was like, there is no way. Because he's got like this, you know, he has this giant beard, obviously, this Lord of the Rings beard. Um, he's kind of got like this old man swag a little bit, rocking the sweats and everything. Not really concerned about what he's wearing on, on his feet. Just rocking some, I think, Crocs or, or flip-flops. Like, this dude was just, he's that East Coast Connecticut guy, just kind of that old soul. And I saw it back then. Now let's fast forward to 2020, and we're at the NFL media night. Well, who do the Kansas City Chiefs players, who are they hoisting as they come down the walkway? They're hoisting on their shoulders Anthony Sherman. And that kind of tells you all you need to know about who the personification of the Kansas City Chiefs is, right? And it's Anthony Sherman, a guy who plays fullback, a guy who's a special teams ace, obviously goes overlooked all the time, especially in the offense, which is so high-powered with guys like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, I can go on and on, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But everybody loves an underdog, and and everybody loves just that grimy, just that blue-collar-type mentality in Anthony Sherman. And if you don't believe me about Anthony Sherman, Google him up when you get a chance, obviously not when you're driving, but Google Anthony Sherman training camp arrival and see what that dude was rocking for a couple of years. Um, there was one year where he literally just wore a pair of bibs, no shirt underneath, and he cut the bibs off so they're shorts. Maybe he's a fashion, you know, trendsetter, or maybe the guy's just a lunatic and uh, is just blue collar to the maximum. But I caught up with Anthony Sherman a little bit to talk about this moment, to, for playing in the Super Bowl, playing for Andy Reid, and much more. Fullback Anthony Sherman, Kansas City Chiefs. So when I got back, when I got to Kansas City, 2013, I kind of got the feel from you, like you're an old soul, like you were kind of like the seasoned vet of the Kansas City Chiefs. And back then, dude, I was older than you were. Yeah. Like, do, do, do you still kind of feel that way a little bit? I feel like all the guys kind of treat you like the old soul of the team. They do. I mean, 100. Yeah. I you know. I just, I don't know. I just uh, try to make sure I lead by example, and I think they just take that as someone who's been around the block a couple of times and, and can uh, show them the way. You, you know, obviously you're a fullback in the fullback. Back might be a little bit of a dying breed, especially in a pass-happy offensive uh, NFL right now. What do you attribute to just staying around, you know, to just staying with the special teams and everything like that? What do you attribute to having such a long career so far? The more you can do. Yeah. You know, the, the more positions you can play, the uh, the easier it is for them to keep you around in case you need a you know a sub here, a backup here, or whatever. So the more you can do is, is the longer you stay in this league. I've said it a lot. I think Coach Reed is one of the best coaches in the NFL. You know, he's a solid guy, definitely a player's coach, but expects a lot out of you. What does this game mean to you guys? to try to win for him, to try to finally get him over the hump and get him in the spotlight. I mean, that's all we want to do. I mean, you talk to a lot of guys in this team that you know, not necessarily you, we want the ring. We do, but we want it for him. Yeah. We want to win this game for him and, and to uh, get him that Super Bowl he deserves. Tell me about playing an Andy Reid-style offense. Like, do you have a lot of call plays for yourself? Is it more just you stay on the sidelines, wait for your number to be called? How does that work? Uh, he, he's got a great mind, and he'll find, you know, he'll put us in a situation that we're supposed to be in and we can make the play, and, and he just he's crazy to listen to and install. It's awesome. Two more questions for you. So when Andy Reid has a bye week or some time to prepare, 
it seems like he's unbeatable. What do you attest to that? Is it just watching the film? Is it talking to his players, getting some input? What is that about? I want to say it's all of the above. I mean, he, that guy, I don't think, ever leaves the building. He's He is a, a tremendous coach and a great leader and someone that, you know, as a young coach, you definitely look up to and do the right thing like he did. Final question. So when I was there in training camp, you always broke down the meeting by saying, let's have a cheeseburger on me. You're, you're in the hotel night before the game. He's going to give you a team speech. Probably not that inspiring because it's Andy Reid. He's just kind of chill. What is he going to say to you? Is he going to say, let's get a cheeseburger on me or something else? No, he's not going to change his who he is. He's yeah. going to tell you to get a I'll treat you to a cheeseburger. Fullback Anthony Sherman. And it's interesting because yesterday, you know, we were talking to a, um, a sports better who's on ESPN. And he was talking about the San Francisco 49ers fullback a little more of like what, what the prop bets were for, I think, you know, total amount of receiving yards and things of that nature. And like, I don't have, I'm listen, I don't even know where to start to find all these prop bets. First of all, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask about that, but I do find it intriguing as I went on oddshark.com right now that the prop bet for Anthony Sherman to score a touchdown is plus 1000. Now, I am not telling you to hedge your bets on that whatsoever. I not going to be a response. Right All right, yeah, let's go ahead and put our, you know, the, the kids' college fund on that bet right there. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I'm not going to make the bet myself. But I'm just saying, Anthony Sherman's the type of guy, like I said, to me, he is Mr. Chief, okay? And if you watch the, his teammates carry him out, yeah, the, he definitely fits that mold very well. And obviously, we're not, we're not really sure how the game is going to play out yet. But... The genius about Andy Reid is that, yes, he's an offensive genius, but he gets players involved at different times in the game. And of me watching a lot of Kansas City Chiefs games for the past couple of years, because obviously, you know, I knew some guys from him. So, you know, I, I follow the Chiefs pretty closely. And like every once in a while, Anthony Sherman just seems to have like that one game where it was kind of tailored to him, right? Like where they try to get him the ball a little bit, you wouldn't expect it. And maybe it's like, you know, third and goal from the three yard line. You bring your goal line package in and boom, here's Anthony Sherman in the flats for a touchdown. I've seen it so many times. And I don't know how much stake you actually put into, well, you know, Anthony Sherman's definitely paid his dues. He he is obviously a, a team favorite and a, and a player favorite for the Kansas City Chiefs fans. Does Andy Reid kind of tip his hand a little bit and say, you know what, let's go and get Anthony Sherman involved a little bit because the guy's obviously earned his stripes. He's earned the respect of that team, and he is, you know, Mr. Chief, if you will. So I wonder if, you know, Coach Reid tries to involve Anthony Sherman a little bit on the biggest stage in the biggest game of his career. It's definitely going to be a storyline that I'll be watching for sure. Once again, not telling you to put all your money on it. I'm just saying the plus 1,000 bet is just a little intriguing. But, uh, you know, Chris, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit here. We got about three or four minutes left on the show. Um, we have some more great interviews coming to you guys tomorrow. I, I, I catch up with Eric Fisher a little bit, uh, left tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. A guy that I say I welcomed him to the NFL because of a bull rush that I did on one-on-one. You'll see his response when I bring that up tomorrow. He may or may not have been really impressed that I brought that up, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that tomorrow a little bit when we play that interview. But I just want to finish, and it's kind of been still the theme all week, and I get it. It's starting to die down a little more. This is Super Bowl week now, but um, I guess you can kind of chalk it up, Coos, for the ball and balling segment. And this is obviously balling real quick I want to talk about. And that's the NBA, what they're going to do for the All-Star game. 
you know, obviously they're trying to make it special for Kobe, um, you know, and, and his family. And check some of these rules out uh, for the All-Star game. They're definitely intriguing and definitely might make it a must-watch um, show here. So the quick rules that have changed the All-Star game this year in Chicago. Both all both NBA All-Star Game teams will play for Chicago-based community organizations as selected by team captains Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. The teams will compete to win each of the first three quarters, all of which will start with the score of 0-0 zero to zero and will be 12 minutes long. At the start of the fourth quarter, the game clock will be turned off and the final target score will be set. The final target score will be determined by taking the leading team's cumulative score through three quarters and adding 24 points. The 24 representing, obviously, Kobe Bryant. And I just think that's a really cool thing to do. You know, I, I, I think it's cool from the standpoint of, well, now you got something to play for. And maybe it's the most important thing to play for in, you know, helping out these communities that mean so much to Giannis, that mean so much, um, you know, to, to to LeBron James. These these charities, you know, that that's also a thing to play for. And especially you're doing it um, in the remembrance of Kobe Bryant. So I think usually you know, when you watch these NBA All-Star games, yeah, they, they don't play any defense, obviously. And um, it's a little more casual, a little more lackadaisical, still entertaining with the dunks and everything. But now I think you kind of sweeten the pot a little bit. Now I think NBA players are going to take notice a little bit and say, like, you know what? Let's go ahead and win this game. Let's let's leave no doubt here, and let's do it for Kobe Bryant. Kuz, what are your, your thoughts quick on the Driving Dish podcast? I, I like it. Uh, when I first read it, I was like, whoa, this is really confusing now. Uh, the other thing is I, I haven't heard anything about it, but I know there were some talks about potentially like Team Giannis being number eight, all of them wearing the number eight, and Team LeBron all wearing number 24, you know? It would be an so, awesome gesture. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that's still going to happen, if that was just something like fans were putting out there, but yeah. this is kind of cool as well, and obviously going to charity. Um, anything to make the All-Star game potentially more watchable. I mean, that's always the running joke is like, why yeah. Why do we care? And, and, in most sports, when it when, maybe not baseball because baseball is a little bit different, but with most sports, the All Star Game is always like, what's the exactly? You know, what's the point? So now there's a little added incentive, and maybe people are going to tune in and watch for sure. Whew. All right. So when we come back tomorrow, Friday, we break down the big game at hand. I mean, it's Friday, our last chance to talk about the Super Bowl. So we'll do that. We'll have some more great interviews. Hopefully, catch up with Gardner Minshew a little bit. Brent Martineau and Stuart Weber will be still in Miami Beach. I'll be back here, North to South Connection, tomorrow on ESPN 690. And ESPN 6, I'm sorry, Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690 Radio, tomorrow when we get back. See you guys tomorrow. Have a good night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.